podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Whether you're trying to get a break from the grind or grinding to break records, running for balance or burgers, only one thing counts. You're out there step after step, mile after mile, and we're out there with you all the way. Visit your local Nike store today to find your perfect pair of running shoes. No matter if you're setting the pace for the pack or flying solo to the rhythm of your own kicks, you're one of us. You coming? Come run with Nike at your local Nike store today. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep, in-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Welcome to the Sons of UCF, a unique UCF podcast experience. Now, say hello to Adam and Mike. The long-awaited 100th edition of the Sons of UCF. Uh, Mike, uh, did you ever think we'd get to 100? No, I never thought we'd get to two, to be honest. (laughs) But here we are, 100, two years later. A little more than two years, but this, we finally made it. It, it went pretty fast. It did. Yeah, it did. We we didn't really take many breaks, so we we got to 100 pretty quickly. I say we grind. Yeah, we grind these things out here. So uh, we made it 98 more shows than we thought we would, which is awesome. Uh, and that's a big thanks to you. So we'll have some fun stuff today. Obviously, we'll break the game down. Got a couple of nice voicemails. We'll do picks. We'll do cow. Uh, we'll do a UCF observations again, all that good stuff. But before we do all that, make sure if you're listening to us, that means you hopefully found us on our new podcast feed. I think we've uh, plugged this enough, but we are available wherever you get your quality podcast. That'd be Apple. That'd be Spotify. That'd be Google. That'd be Amazon. That'd be iTunes. I think I said that already. Maybe iHeart, uh, TuneIn Radio. I mean, you name it, Mike, we are on there. So if there's not a platform that we are on, you just let me know and we will get uh, we will get on that right away. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on all, all the major platforms, Twitter and Instagram. We're both at Sons of UCF. We also have uh, two different ways to interact with us on actually three different ways to interact with us on Facebook. We have both the Sons of UCF Facebook page and the Sons of UCF Facebook group, as well as our uh, show account, which is Adam Mike Sons of UCF. And uh, we have a YouTube page, which we'll be uh, using uh, very, very shortly. So find the Sons of UCF YouTube page as well. That's a lot of homework. I feel bad. I gave you guys a lot of work off the top of the show. So my my apologies. But uh, we want to make sure that you guys stay connected with us. And as always, Mike, we will uh, we'll bring the uh, we'll bring the goods here. Um, Speaking of the goods, the goods were had on Saturday, UCF and ECU. Uh, it was over kind of early, and then it got a little interesting, but it was still always over. It started interesting, Mike. It was a it was a humdinger of a game. 51-28, UCF comes out on top. Dylan Gabriel throws for 400 yards uh, again. Marlon Williams was a beast out there. Defense played really well, and uh, that has moved UCF up to number 11 in the AP rankings, Mike. So let's just start big picture. Uh, Saturday, uh, your impressions were what? A few different impressions early in the game, obviously a little frustrated with some of the sloppiness involved, but then we got it rolling typical UCF style where we just put up 41 points in a row in a blink of an eye, really, and put the game away quickly. And then a a little bit of a sloppiness there in the end, but overall another very good win on the road, took care of business like we need to. 
and move up in the polls now a little bit. We're going to start inching further and further along every week. A positive week overall. Yes, there are things we need to clean up. Yes, there are things that we didn't like to see, but that is typical of an early in the season college football team. So we will get better from here. Yeah, you don't often hear 41 unanswered um, as a as a football step, but that's what UCF reeled off for a while there until the sort of late in the third quarter. So uh, I think by and large, most people would enjoy the performance. I'm going to ask you the old Trace Troco question, Mike. Grade the overall performance, uh, A through F, obviously, uh, uh, elementary school letter grades. Grades UCF over, uh, UCF's overall performance. Wow. See, this is tough because we've – said it now over the last three years we expect perfection out of these guys we expect them to win every single game i think some of us expect us to score a touchdown on every single play and maybe get a sack or a turnover on every play on defense so when there's some sloppiness it's hard and there were some moments there where it was just bad ugly to look at i'm a tough grader sometimes i was gonna say c but maybe like a c plus because i know we're capable of just so much better if we if we really put it together for four quarters yeah that's why these things are hard because you know if you just looked at the score let's say you fell asleep during the game you woke up and you're like holy crap we won 51 28 right you probably think we played a great game and i think many teams in the country would probably kill to win games 51 28 oklahoma i'm looking at you so obviously you look at the score and you go well, what's their complaint about right is every game perfect no um is every play going to be perfect no but then you, you look at some of the things that happened and you say to yourself, okay, while they didn't hurt us in this game, the concern is down the road, these things are going to be a problem. And I know we're going to get into what those things are later on. But I, I think you also kind of have to mark a grade a little bit because these are repeat issues. So the challenge is we're not, I don't know about you, but I don't grade on a clean slate each week, right? Because we, we've known we have some areas of concern and those areas of concern didn't really get cleaned up uh, in fact, they got worse. Now, worse in the sense that they, they hurt us and they, they made us lose the game? No, of course not. But worse in the sense that it just got worse? Yes. So I'm going to go in the B, B minus range. You know, anytime you, you line them up and you come out with a victory on the road, conference game, it's a good thing. Uh, again, the stats are, are fantastic, but I do think there are some underlying things. I think you can you, know, you can have two things be right at the same time. You say I played well, and they, they, they put a, a really good uh, hurting on uh, ECU. But there are things that need to be cleaned up, and uh, I don't think I don't think we should be you know shy about saying that both those things are true at the same time. <laughs> yep, uh, and and the grades are subjective, obviously. What my opinion and your opinion can vary, just like anybody else. It all depends on your expectations coming into the game. We expected to mop the floor with these guys, and we really, I mean, we did for that middle section there. It was just a little bit frustrating when you see some of the same problems arise over and over again and i don't know when those problems are going to get cleaned up if they haven't been done so already well and maybe not all, all of it's all our fault either there might be some other issues in there well, yeah well, hopefully they get cleaned up for saturday night so we'll reset uh, upcoming week saturday tulsa coming to the bounce ass 7 30 kickoff i think it's on espn 2 if i have that right uh fans will be in attendance i think there's 11k strong that's uh that will be allowed in the stadium we'll see how many people uh actually were able to make it and, and want to make it in there. Uh, obviously, Tulsa is a heavy revenge game, Mike. They've had our number for a very long time, uh, including last year. And so uh, it, it should be one of those games where hopefully UCF comes out at home and, and they're fired up. But 
You're going to want to tune in on that. Before you do that, though, don't forget the Sons of UCF pregame show featuring Trey Shelko will be live and streaming on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter uh, about an hour before the game, so 6.30 local time. We will be on your internets. So if you're at home, even if you're in the parking lot and you're just kind of waiting around to get in the stadium and there's nothing else on, you don't want to watch a crappy uh, 3 o'clock game ending, switch over to social media. You'll find us. We'll tweet all that stuff out. Uh, we'll have newsmakers. I think we got a big guest, I think, is pretty much confirmed, Mike. I don't want to give it away just yet because, you know, these things are fluid. But uh, I think we got a big guest coming up, too. So you're not going to want to miss uh, the Sons of UCF pregame show coming up before the uh, the Tulsa game this weekend. Huge game this weekend. And you're right. Watch the pregame show. You can watch the pregame show probably from inside the stadium this year with capacity only being a quarter full. There may not be too much problems with your Internet service. So you're sitting around, you're having a beer, you're at your seat, you're just waiting for the game to start. You know, warm-ups are done. Hang out with us. We'll, we'll be talking about the game. If there's any injury updates, we'll give you those while you're sitting there. And we'll entertain you while kickoff is about to come your way. And we cannot promise sobriety, but what we can promise will be some fun, some hijinks, and uh, some exciting stuff. So make sure to check that out uh, this upcoming Saturday, Mike. Let's dive right into our breakdown. Uh, so each week, Mike and I will, will pick three things and we'll tell you how, how we felt about those things. We score it on the scale based on former uh, UCF bowl victories or bowl losses. So obviously the victories are the good things. The losses are the bad things. We each pick three and uh, we'll kind of break them down more uh, more in detail here, Mike. So I'll let you lead off first. What's the first thing that uh, caught your eye for the game? All right, I'm going to start a little backwards this week. I'm going with a, a negative thing first just to get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Yeah. We've been hinting at it already for the first couple of minutes. I'm going to give out a cure to the 19 penalties we saw committed on Saturday. 19 penalties for 139 yards. Oof. Could have been 20 penalties or more. The very first play of the game, we get called for pass interference. East Carolina declines the penalty because they made the catch and got the first down anyway. Then we get the ball for the first time. Four false starts to start the game <laughs> remember how proud we were of ourselves for the cincinnati game when game day came to town and we had them have a couple of false starts to start the game this was four times it was like being in the twilight zone man i didn't know what the hell was going on can you imagine if george o'leary was watching the beginning of this game what he would be doing imagine him on the sidelines on one of his teams going four false starts to start off the game I think he would have killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. So I, 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 no, I believe you. That's the thing. <laughs> then there's another false start later in that drive. Fall, five false starts on that first drive. And how about this? The second possession, we go down to a fourth and five. We're going to go for it. Two more false starts. And then a delay again pushes it back to a fourth and 20, forcing us to punt. 10 penalties in the first quarter alone. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. We have a penalty on an illegal man downfield on the Hescock touchdown that gets called back. That one might have been questionable. That was questionable. But, I mean, 19 penalties. When we discussed the Sunny Preseason Awards this year, <laughs> what was the voting? I think we were hoping for under eight per yeah, game. Yeah, I got it right here. Hold on a second. I keep these things printed out. So we asked uh, – uh, what people thought would be the uh, over under, I guess, uh, I'm sorry, penalties per game and uh, average 61% of the crowd said four to seven average penalties per game. <laughs> We're averaging that per quarter. right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so we had 19. What do we have? How many do we have first game? Was it 10 or 11? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so we're, yeah, we're averaging uh, like 10 a game right now, which is fantastic. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, no, more than that. We're averaging like four. Uh, I'm not good at math. Yeah. What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But and we're lucky because we we played two bad teams to start the season so far. Georgia Tech, for as much as we wanted to give them credit, they're really not that good of a team. East Carolina is a bad team, so the penalties haven't hurt us much yet. But pull this crap on the road at Memphis. Pull it in a championship game. Put it even a game against Cincinnati, or a New Year's Six bowl game, or if you know, we say it. Dare we say a playoff game? Playoffs? Those penalties would be deadly, man. We cannot shoot ourselves in the foot the way we did. 19 times I think oh my goodness that's the only way we can lose this season really is if we beat ourselves and we put it on the platter for ECU now uh, they couldn't take advantage uh, we started off four penalties it's first and 30 and we converted first down <laughs> so it's the other end of the spectrum of how good our offense is but it's just still very frustrating start to the game all right, let's let's try to be fair a little bit right so uh, the fall start penalties especially the four right off the right off the top there um, that obviously got a lot of attention. Um, there, there are some folks who are saying now. I haven't seen this confirmed, Mike. So this was kind of floating around out there in the in the Twitter sphere and in social media that the uh, East Carolina defensive players, uh, the the line and the linebackers, were mimicking snap counts. They were barking out counts. They were making kind of noises that they were doing some things to disrupt the offense, and that's why you saw the four false starts. I don't know if anyone really confirmed that. I didn't hear Hypel or anybody say that that is what happened in true Hypel fashion. He was just kind of like, yeah, I got to get better, you know, sharper, all phases of the game, you know, yada, yada. I didn't hear anybody on UCF say that, at least that, that I've seen. Maybe I've missed it. But that was the prevailing theory kind of floating around out there was that it was something Tulsa was doing. And if you want to buy into that theory, the the TV broadcast showed Hypel getting pretty animated with officials um, right towards the end of a, you know, a TV timeout situation. So perhaps he went to the officials and said, Hey, they, they got to knock this off because after that first quarter, um, you know, the, the penalties largely stopped um, particularly the fall start variety. So I don't know if there's any credence to that, Mike. I don't know if you heard that same uh, theory or conspiracy theory that there's some, some mimicking going on on the, on the snap counts. I did hear those same rumors, but um, I mean, that seems like something very easy for us to just, hey, we'll switch up our count, and then they don't know what, what they're doing. I guess it's a little weird in an empty stadium. You hear every single little voice, but it, I don't know if that would make it harder or easier. Wouldn't you be able to tell where the, where the, the sound was coming from? It was coming from the defensive side of the line or the quarterback? And you know uh, Dylan's voice. At least our offense should know it. So I don't know if that's an excuse or that is – the fact, because I and I don't know if we're ever going to find the answer to that, unless we somehow UCF uh, files a complaint with the the American Athletic Conference, it's a possibility. But is that something we're going to see teams doing now in the future? Because why not? If I'm a team, if I'm Tulsa this week, hey, if I can get away with it for a couple plays even at the beginning of the game, even if it's up until the refs warn us not to do it, why not? I'll go ahead and do it. Well, the the interesting thing about it too is so the the first two uh, penalties were on offensive linemen, uh, and then the the next two were on uh, Marlon Williams and Jacob Harris respectively. So two guys on the outside, who you wouldn't think would be as impacted by that because they they you know, they typically don't hear the snap cut anyway. I'm sure they're just watching the the ball, and that's when they're kind of making their move. Um, so that that was interesting too. Part of me wonders kind of the same conspiracy theory I had last week when we talked about Georgia Tech. If you remember, we had a lot of false start penalties. Uh, on the receivers um, for uh, for UCF, 
is this a thing where you know the Mike Houston went to the refs before the game and said, "Hey, these guys never get set. You don't want to watch them. You know, the center's always bobbing his head. The guys are always moving." And maybe it was just something that was a point of emphasis early on that you know the the ref you know got that bug in his ear and decided he was just going to make it a flag party. I don't know, um, but it was it was certainly frustrating. That was probably the 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 most frustrating um, uh, eight minutes of my life. Uh, and game time, of course, it was like 65 in real time, but, um, just because it, it was like, we could not get our own way. And as soon as we did something good, then we, we did something bad. Um, and listen, at the end of the day, how'd that drive end, Mike? Touchdown. And a touchdown. <laughs> and so that's what, that's what's tough is it erases all of that because before you know it, you know, Greg McCray's punching it in from the one yard line on the, on the wild night package. And, uh, and we're tied seven, seven. So, you know, really, it, it did not hurt us. But I think that that complacency thing is what makes me more concerned about it, because I know the fans are like, hey, big deal, you know, whatever, you know, we shook it off. But God, I hope the players aren't like that. You know, what I mean, I really hope that the, there's not a sense of, hey, we can overcome anything. It's OK. To your point, you know, try pulling that crap on uh, at Memphis, you know, at, at Houston, um, you know, to try pulling it, you know, when Cincinnati's in town. Like I, th- that's that's just not going to work. So. Hopefully it's one of those deals where it was a, was a fluke situation and, uh, and we're, we're past it and there's something we can do about it because it was certainly one of the, I, I've never seen it before in my life and I don't know if we'll ever see it again. No. And listening to the radio broadcast at the time, Gary Paris kept pointing out that the defensive lines was shifting and every yes. time they shifted, our guys seemed to jump as if we thought they were coming across the line. So, I mean, that's just discipline, man. You, defensive lines are going to move around and shift around. You can't just jump every time, flinch every time they move. You got to know the snap counts. You got to know exactly when the ball is supposed to move. And if you're a receiver, you got to be watching the ball. You can't really be depending on your ears. All right. Well, that's your that's your first one. You're going to the negative town. I'm going to go to, to positive land here. I'm going to call this a uh, I'm going to call this a, a a peach. I think Mike. I'm going to go peach here. Um, and it's not something that you, you look at statistically and you say, okay, yeah, I can, I can see where that comes to fruition. Although his, his stats were great. So I'm talking about Dylan Gabriel right now. Uh, so 47 attempts, 32 completions, 408 yards, four TDs, a long of 64 to, I think it was Jalen Robinson. Um, you know, stats are fantastic as they were. He was the American conference offensive player, of the, uh, the week award back to back. I'm sure that's going to happen a few more times this year, but why I, I put this in here is, is because for me, the thing I saw with, with Dylan Gabriel, maybe he's a little stronger this year. I don't know. Mike, maybe he put some muscle on Maybe he got a little faster. I, I don't know. Maybe he was training, you know, maybe his arm strength's a little bit greater. Maybe his release has gotten faster. All those things are probably true. And, and, you know, he, he was already pretty good. So it's, it's pretty, you know, negligible and some of that stuff, but I saw the biggest growth in him in terms of just his maturity and sort of his poise in what was going on in the game. Now it, it was tough to, you know, to, to look at it last year because he was a true freshman and he was in some tough spots. But obviously the games that we lost on the road, things got behind us in a hurry. And it seemed like, you know, we compounded that with more mistakes, right? It happened against Pittsburgh. It happened against Tulsa. We just talked about it. UCF starts off basically, you know, 20 yards back than we're supposed to. Then and there's no worries. Dylan comes back and leads them on a touchdown, a touchdown drive. Like you said, the very next possession, uh, you know, we're, we're driving. We're maybe going to get a, a field goal. We don't do it. Uh, end up having a punt. You know, we give the ball back. We give the ball back, um, and then you know Dylan comes back out again, and what's he do? He leads another poised touchdown drive. 
um, you know, or another scoring drive rather. I mean, he he just seemed like he was more in sync, more poised this year. I think plays where you saw he would have maybe panicked. Uh, you know, I don't know that you saw that this year. It seemed like he was really calm. He was waiting in the pocket. He was waiting for his receivers to get open. And I feel like last year he, he just kind of bombed a few away and deep and, and Gabe Davis bailed some out. You know, this, this week he was looking for his receivers. He was taking his time in the pocket. He was stepping up. He was making throws. He was spreading the ball around. I know Marlon got the bulk of the catches, but, you know, a bunch of guys caught balls throughout the game. Uh, I just felt like you saw a more mature uh, Dylan Gabriel when, when things weren't optimal. You know, the Georgia Tech game, by and large, things were pretty much rolling our way on the offensive side. You know, offensively in this game, things weren't optimal. And you saw Dylan just say, okay, cool, let's, let's just roll with it. And uh, he rolled with the punches kind of figuratively at one point, actually. Um, and uh, I think you saw his maturity and his growth. No turnovers. Uh, so he did not throw a road interception, which obviously is something that we've been watching for. So, um, you know, for me, the the maturity and growth in, in Dylan Gabriel, that's going to be my peach. The stats are always going to be there. But I think you saw a mature uh, leader take the ball and face adversity and not, you know, not panic and, and keep his guys in line. And, and lo and behold, Mike, you know, we came out with a huge win. You can definitely see the growth in him. And he's now only had one full season because, remember, he didn't start the first game last year. He started the second game of the season. This was the second game of this season. The kid looks unflustered now, no matter what happens. He has guys drop passes, which happened a few times this week. Jacob Harris dropped a couple of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> a couple of that could have gone for touchdowns. And he, he shakes it off, man. He, he bounces back as if nothing happens. He's putting up unbelievable numbers now. Two weeks in a row, over 400 yards passing. Uh, he put he went what 19 passes in a row, complete with 19 complete passes, yep. completions. It set the school record for consecutive passes completed. Um, just in a zone. He's in a complete zone. And how about that one play where he got banged up mm-hmm. and took a shot to the head? I mean, I was holding my breath because as much as I trust Quadri Jones to come in and do an okay job. I don't know if we have anybody that can play the way this kid's playing it. He's on a Mackenzie Milton level right now, and maybe even he can get better. He, can, he may be able to be better than Mackenzie, which is scary to think. But it's so much fun watching him play and see how much better he gets. And I am scared for Tulsa this week because he had a little comment today in his press conference that he's been waiting for this week. He knows what happened last year. He knows what everybody's been saying about him since last year in that game. Look out, Tulsa, because you may see Dylan and Gabriel just go crazy on Saturday night. Look out, Tulsa. Here's the the series is is that's not a word, but you know what I mean. That really encapsulated that for me, right? So UCF is up. Uh, we're up 10 seven. Uh, we're driving uh, in, and here's here's the sequence of plays. Ventavious Thompson two yard run. Gabriel throws to Hescock for eleven yards. Uh, penalty and eligible downfield that gets called back. Uh, this is literally from the sort of the play-by-play. Gabriel passing complete to Marlon Williams, drop pass. Gabriel middle pass incomplete to Jacob Harris, drop pass. Obarski field goal. So we have to settle for a field goal, right? Then UCF defense holds them, right? We They, they, they punt to us. Uh, illegal block on the punt return, 10 yards. So we're, we already start 10 yards back. First play, McRae, seven-yard run. Second play, McRae, two-yard run. Third play, McRae, five-yard run. Next play, Gabriel, 64-yard bomb to, uh, to Jalen Robinson. I mean, that sequence of plays right there, I feel like last year, all those things kind of rolled our way. And we were going to throw we, we would have thrown a screen pass right on that on that third and one right we would have had some negative plays. Uh, Gabriel just kept us in a rhythm like he just seemed way more comfortable with the offense. 
I, one thing I said early on is, is people asked, uh, I think we talked about a few times in the show, what did you want to see from Dylan Gabriel in year two? And what I said I wanted to see was more less about Gabriel, more about Hypel. So I think there's hopefully a mixture of Hypel trusting Gabriel to, to do some of these things more uh, differently or better or, or take more chances with him. Um, and you're seeing him execute in the field. And I thought it was just a beautiful performance. Uh, you know, again, I know the, the line wasn't great, but you look at Dylan's game, I, there, there weren't many flaws you can find in the game he played on Saturday. And, uh, and hopefully he starts getting some of that national recognition. Hopefully his name starts being bandied about, you know, Heisman talk, all that good stuff, because he certainly is putting up the numbers. And you're right, this kid, the sky's the limit. And uh, hopefully the sky falls on Tulsa this week. <laughs> I think you're definitely going to start seeing him get more and more credit as the year goes on. Uh, if he p- keeps putting up 400 yards every week, I mean, there's not going to have any choice but to talk about him and maybe start getting some Heisman hype. And, and remember, he's only a sophomore. So he- he's getting all this hype now this year. Coming into next year, he'll be one of the top candidates for the Heisman as long as he keeps this up. But uh, the most important thing you're seeing now is taking care of the ball. Went on the road this week, no turnovers. Uh, that's going to be a key to the season. And, and even the-, the first week, the two turnovers he did have, and one ball was, was tipped. And it was intercepted. It's not like he threw it into coverage or anything. And then the one fumble. But I, mean, I, I, I can't explain how comfortable I am watching this guy play. Like I, I have full confidence in him. And it looks like Hypel does now, too. And Hypel, we saw last week, letting him run a little bit, let it opening the offense up. It's going to be dangerous, man. It's going to be fun to watch the rest of the way. And I have a feeling that at least one of those touchdown passes that he had this week will make the Sons of UCF top five plays that will be on the pregame show this week. Uh, just just an early prediction uh, from uh, for me so so far, Mike. All right, so what's your uh, what's your second uh, key to the game? All right, I'm working my way back up to to the best thing. So I'll go with a Liberty. Seven for seven in the red zone scoring. Mm-hmm. And you're saying seven for seven. That's a Liberty? It should be a peach? Well, three of them were field goals. But, I mean, after the early turnovers, we could have really put these guys away. We could have been up by 30. Instead, we were only up 20 at the half, mostly because we had to settle for a couple of those field goals. So that's the reason it's a liberty. But red zone is something we struggled with a little bit last year. Uh, I believe we were 74% scoring in the red zone last year. This year, only two games, but 93% in two road games. I actually got that stat from our friend Christian Simmons, who joined us on the pregame show this week. Uh, he specializes in uniforms, but he's got some cool stats he throws out there on Twitter sometimes too. Uh, we love those long plays. The one you just mentioned to Flash Robinson, 64 yards. That's a beautiful play. Johnny Richardson slicing through the defense for 30 yards. That's Everybody loves the long plays, but you can't rely on that all the time. Red zone is such an important part of the offense, especially in close games. we got to be able to put points on the board. We can't turn the ball over, which is the most important thing take care of the ball at least get three points every time you're in there but punching it in for seven is you know obviously the goal and this week we even got hescock in the end zone which twice actually <laughs> makes everybody twice. yeah it makes everybody happy using the tight ends which which is key because we we have so many weapons on the outside and the running backs sometimes the tight ends get forgotten about so you're right he could have had two so he at least got him in there one time but seven for seven in the red zone you take that every time I prefer five or six touchdowns, one or two field goals, three field goals this week. It still leaves room for improvement, but better than what we were doing last year. Yeah, I distinctly remember several games last year, uh, Cincinnati comes to mind, where it almost seemed like we got constipated when it was near the goal line because, 
you know, obviously, you know, it's Heupel, Heupel's offense is it's fast, it's quick, you know, we're, we're getting tempo. Well, when you're on the seven, it's really tough to get tempo, right? It's really tough to get momentum. Um, and so that's where we saw, I think, the offense bogged down a few times last year. Uh, and so you're right to, to see the offense continue to free flow. And some of those were, were short yardage plays, the, the play to Hescock, obviously the, uh, the run up the, the middle from McCray on the sort of the wild night format uh, formation. So, you know, some of that stuff obviously was uh, from, from closer in, but you know, I think that's, that's a key stat this year. If we can continue to stay, um, you know, aggressive in the red zone and not let sort of the, the field shrinking shrink what we do on offense. And we don't rely just on those stupid bubble screens and, you know, all that other stuff and hypo will allow some of that creativity that both those plays to Hescock were actually very creative. I mean, they were very good, uh, well-designed plays. Uh, he was wide open on both of them pretty much. Uh, I think he walked in untouched on both of them, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, and so it's some of that creative, uh, creative stuff that if we can continue to see hypo throw that out, we saw it against Georgia tech, sort of the, the, the back shoulder, um, you know, end zone sort of direct line fade that Marlon caught in both games. You know, those were kind of both uh, short in throws. So if we can continue to see that, um, you know, UCF's offense is obviously very potent between the twenties, but, uh, if we can now put it together like that, uh, inside the 20, uh, I think, you know, more points and if that's even scary to think more points are going to come this year. That, uh, wild night play that they ran with McCray. I didn't see that coming at all. And it didn't look like East Carolina saw it coming either. I saw Dylan run out to the side, uh, to wide receiver. I thought for sure it was going to be an easy touchdown because McCray with the blockers lined up, they just didn't have enough numbers to get him down and he only had to go a yard so it may see more of that package and maybe even with rj harvey the transfer from virginia who has experience throwing the ball it running the package kind of like we expected brendan wimbush to do last year somebody that can actually complete passes whoa and run whoa, the whoa. ball <laughs> <Jim> <laughs> <Could be> <laughs> dangerous dangerous combination yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. And by the way, RJ Harvey snuck on the field, uh, so I guess he's eligible. And uh, and Greg McRae, uh, we know we were curious about his injury. Uh, looked like he was uh, he was all systems go this week as well too. So Antoine Collier also played. I know that was something we were looking at coming into the game. Trey Nixon and uh, Parker Bedreau did not play, so we got, at least got an injury update. And and Harvey was the only transfer we saw on the field. So still don't know the clarity on what happened, why some guys are, some guys aren't. I assume maybe there's some. Some academic stuff, who the heck knows, but uh, it was good to see some of those guys um, out there on the field. Um, for me, here's my second. I'm going to go, I'm going to call this a Liberty as well, and it really could be a peach, um, but I mean, I, I guess maybe I'm a hard grader as well. Um, I'm going to give it to Eric Gilliard, middle linebacker uh, for UCF. His stat line was, was pretty impressive, Mike. He had six total tackles. He had two tackles for a loss. He had a fumble recovery, and he also forced a fumble. I think he had the, the same on the same play there. Actually, no, he did not. He, the, he had the fumble recovery that was like right at Holton Ayler's knees, and Ayler's just kind of bent down, and you saw Gilliard dive in for the ball. Uh, another one that he just had a really clean hit on the ball too. So he's a kid, Mike, I know two years ago I was uh, I was really high on him because you know he came in and he, he played a, in spot duty when, when Pat Jasinski was out for a while. Uh, I thought he played really well last year. I don't know if he you know had you know even the season he wanted to have. So he was somebody that we – you know, we, we, I had earmarked coming into the season. So it was good to see him um, just kind of making plays all over the field. You know, he, he, he was around the ball a, a ton. Again, he had uh, that, that one uh, big turnover that he forced and then and the fumble recovery that he just really out hustled the, the team for. But obviously the, the front four, you know, is going to continue to get some pressure and, and, and obviously they're going to eat, they're going to chew up blockers and that's going to, that's going to pave the way for our linebacker. So it was good to see Eric Mitchell, the other linebacker at eight tackles, Gilliard had six, 
uh, Aaron uh, Robinson is kind of like a de facto linebacker. He led the team with eight tackles as well. So uh, it was just good to see Gilligate out there. Again, he's a guy that I've rooted for. Um, you know, he's a smaller linebacker, but uh, I think he's got a ton of potential. And uh, I was glad to see him get out there. And, and all in all, Mike, I mean, listen, we want to bang on, on the defense a little bit. I know we kind of keep throwing around that Ben don't break concept, which is kind of like a backhanded compliment. But, uh, I mean, they pitched a shutout, really, from the first quarter all the way very to garbage time uh, all the way through there and, and to the end of the third. Uh, opportunistic with turnovers. You know, they made big plays when they needed to make big plays. You know, we talked a lot about these receivers on our pregame show uh, that uh, um, at ECU had. You know, we, we, we knew the names. C.J. Robinson only had two catches. Blake Pearl only had two catches. Taylor Sneed only had two catches. Uh, uh, and so they, they certainly did their, did their part. Um, yes, there was a little bit bend don't break, um, you know, only gave up, uh, what I think the leading rusher had 76 yards for, uh, for East Carolina. So didn't they have a hundred yard rusher, uh, Holt Naylor's under, uh, under 250 yards passing. So ultimately the defense played pretty well, all things considered, Mike. And uh, I think Eric Gillard was a big reason why. Yeah, a lot of big hits in this game. And like you mentioned, force and fumble, uh, it's good to see the linebackers playing well. Cause that. It was kind of a question mark coming into the season. Everybody was so sure about the secondary being our strongest unit. Linebacker was a little questionable, and it's good to see those guys get off to a good start. Eric Mitchell has been consistent for his whole career. Now, Gilliard, you, you see stepping up. Some of the young guys coming in have a good game, too. So, yeah, I enjoyed watching that, and it kind of leads me into what I was going to go with next, if you want to just stick into the same category. Let's just roll. Roll ahead. Because <laughs> I'm giving out the peach second week in a row to the defense for, for causing the turnovers they did. Four more turnovers this week. Three of them were fumbles, one interception. And the fumbles, like you were just saying with, with Gilliard, those are just textbook hits, man. We were hitting the helmet right on the football. We're punching the ball out right on time. It was great. And the timing of them were perfect, too, because – Early in the game, when the offense is shooting themselves in the foot, committing all these penalties, the defense is just getting the ball right back. After one play, two plays, the ECU kept fumbling the ball, and we kept picking them up. So up 41-14, East Carolina is trying to make it a three-score game going into the fourth quarter, maybe make things a little interesting. And Richie Grant with an interception. And that's huge seeing Grant do that. Remember last year, he didn't have an interception until the – Gasparilla Bowl, whereas in 2018 he had six interceptions. He's a ball hawk. If he gets a chance, and you saw on that play, him just go up and run the route basically like he was the receiver when the ball was intended for him. Great catch. He already has two fumble recoveries on the year, so he is a turnover machine, Richie Grant, and it's good to see him get back in the mix now with the turnovers this year. Defense overall, I mean, we talked about it on the pregame show. How many turnovers were we expecting this week? I was kind of hesitant to even say three. And here we go with another four. That If that keeps up throughout the whole year, I mean, uh, there's no way we can lose games uh, unless we turn the ball over eight times. You know, <laughs> if we're plus two or three every week. I, I don't care how many penalties we're committing. We're still going to win the game, right? Because be, pretty much we would commit four or five penalties. East Carolina would get the ball and give it right back to us. So, I mean, turnovers is such a huge part of the game, especially with our offense. If we can make teams pay for it, there's no way they can overcome that. Yeah, it was good to see um, some of those guys to um, get uh, get some uh, some minutes. Some young guys, uh, Quade Mosier, we saw out there. Quadric Bullard, uh, who's a, a young player, he actually was uh, was second on the or third on the team with tackles. I think he had like six or seven tackles. Um, so it was good to see some of those young guys get out there too. We saw the the young linebackers. 
uh, Tatum Bethune and and uh, and John Baptiste. Uh, they got out there. They got some runs. So yeah, that that was the other bright side. Is you got to see some of the uh, some of the younger guys get in there and play really well. Keenan Hester, who's a guy that we had talked about um, uh, a little bit. He was a name that we heard. He uh, he only had one tackle, but it was a sack, Mike. It was only one of the one of the two sacks UCF had in the day, uh, and one of them was by Keenan Hester, another young guy. So I was encouraged to see some of those young guys get in and get some run um, and and play well. Uh, we saw Josh Shellisar, the Shellisar the week before, didn't have as uh, as big a game. But it was probably tough to uh, to come back off a, a game such as that. But uh, you know, all in all, um, you know, the, the the young guys on offense really, our defense rather, really stepped up. It was cool to see those guys out there and making plays. You know, one thing I noticed that one guy I didn't see much, and looking at the stat line, I think he only played like nineteen plays. Is Morris Brash? I was just going to ask you like- that. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. So <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the the season stats to date so far. And look, I had a little bit of fun at Cam Good's expense during one of our shows because he only had seven tackles uh, last year. He only he already has three right now, so he's he's on pace for I don't even know how many that is, but more than seven. Uh, right now, uh, Morris Brash, uh, three tackles. That's it. Uh, no, he's got he's got no hurries. He's got no sacks under his belt right now. Um, that two point, he's not getting a lot of a lot of PT, Mike. Um, I don't know if this is one of those deals where we should be concerned. Um, you know, it's always a red flag when a coach says something to the to, to the effect of this guy can be great if he wants to be great. Um, but you're right, we have we haven't really seen or, or heard his name called much through two games. Well, that was the first red flag a couple of weeks ago before the season even started. Was it Randy Shannon? Or was it? Randy? It was one of the other defensive coaches, right? Uh, it was uh, Burnham, Shane Burnham. And he came out and said had that comment. Which kind of raised some eyebrows, especially you brought it up. Does that mean he's lazy, this kid? I mean, we don't want to label him yet. But we've seen this out of a couple guys in the past before. I mean, Tristan Hill comes to mind having issues with the coaching staffs. Hopefully that's not what we're seeing here because this kid last year looked like he has so much potential, so much talent. He, just to put it all together, get him on the field a little more and see what he can do. But if, he, if he's not putting in the effort, if he's not doing what he needs to do during the week, He's not going to get the snaps, and so far that's what we're seeing. I mean, 19 plays, that was on one of the lower uh, snap counts for all the defensive linemen. Yeah. Well, so far on the year, again, two games in, uh, Gilliard is the team leader with tackles. It was 16, also has four tackles for a loss, uh, and he has two forced fumbles on the year. So, so far, Gar- uh, Eric Gilliard has uh, has certainly lived up to, uh, I think, what we thought he was going to be after we saw his freshman year, and so it's uh, it's good to see that as well, too. So let me go to my um, my third and final category. Uh, and we, we've had some fun at this guy's expense, Mike, and so I feel like it's only justified. I'm going to give this I'm gonna give this a Liberty rating um, just because of the yardage, but um, Daniel Labarski, he, he got in there, and so we were obviously, first off, we were concerned about his kickoff um, abilities. We saw a lot of them float out of bounds last year. He had 10 kickoffs in this game, and Mike, not a one, went out of bounds. Uh, and again, I know that seems like, wow, big deal. Adam. Uh, you know, not supposed to go out of bounds, right? <laughs> but obviously, we saw this kid struggle a lot last year, and so to basically go 10 for 10 uh, is great. He had four that were touchbacks. It seems like he can get the ball in the end zone when he wants to. I don't know if there's you know, strategery on the, on the part of the Knights on sometimes where they want him to, to kick it out of the end zone and sometimes where they want him to put it in play. I don't know if that's just kind of random where, where the wind or, you know, how, how well he gets the ball, but uh, 10 kickoffs, not a single one went out of bounds. And again, I'm, I'm being tongue in cheek there, but obviously with the struggles, it's good to see that. And he, he got three field goals, Mike 26, 33 and 31 yards. Again, we didn't know what we were getting from a field goal perspective. Uh, he obviously didn't get a chance to kick field goals. I think he had one garbage time field goal last year. 
So it was, it, it was, you know, what kind of a, an up in the air thing on, on what kind of kicker he would be. Uh, and, uh, he looked pretty solid. Mike, it wasn't like he was shaky on any of those kicks. Um, you know, his, uh, his, his first, uh, I guess those was his first three field goals this year. Right. Uh, cause I don't think he had it against Georgia tech. So, um, it was good to see him get out there and, uh, and put three through the boards, uh, through the uprights again, not the longest yardage, but, um, we've, we've had some fun at his expense. So I feel like it's only our, uh, our, our honor, our duty to make sure we call out when he does well. And, uh, so I'm going to give Obarski a Liberty for the game. Hey, the kid's been perfect so far through two games, right? How many kickoffs total and none have gone out of bounds? And every 18 single extra for point 18, hit? sorry, 18 for 18 and 10 touchbacks. Right. And how many extra points? He's been perfect on those. And now he's three for three on field goals. You can't ask for anything more. <laughs> Unless you want every single kickoff to go out of, uh, out of the back of the end zone, which, like you said, is probably not the plan all the time because you want them – Typically, you like to get a lot of hang time. Let them catch it at the one. I guess they can do the fair catch now if they want, but and then just try to tackle them inside the twenty would, would be the best thing. But he's been great so far. Nothing to get on him about. Hopefully, I mean, we're going to see at some point there's going to be a, a higher pressure kick. That's when we'll know, or even a kick with a little more distance, something in the forties, maybe a fifty yarder. He gets one or two of those, and he's well on his way. But you know, a, a high pressure kick, whether that be to win a game or even at, at the end of a half to get into a game, to get back in a game, stay in a game or g- give yourself those extra three point lead. That's when we're going to know a little bit more about them. These kicks this week were a little easy, yeah. but you know, those, those can be missed too. I've seen plenty of college kickers miss easy kicks, especially you're, you're off to the, on the hash mark and you got a bad angle or you don't get enough height on the ball and it gets blocked. We've seen plenty of those. We've, we've seen it the Georgia tech kicker. How many times has he, he gotten kicked block already this year? So good start for Obarski. Happy it, for him. Yeah. And this isn't that what you want. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a free throw shooter, like a, like an NBA player. You want to see your first, you know, a couple of ones go through the uprights. Right. So, you know, God forbid his first kick was a pressure kick, you know, 50 plus yarder and you know, we're trying to get in at halftime and he misses it. You know, maybe his confidence goes down from there. Right. So you're going to, kind of get a, a couple, you know, easy layups, if you will. And, you know, he sees the ball go through the uprights. He's obviously having success on, on, on PATs, like you said, 13 for 13. Um, you know, uh, he's, kickoffs, obviously, he's, he's been pretty busy. So maybe it's just what he needed, just kind of ease into the season. And uh, maybe it's the best thing possible. I mean, we know this kid's got the leg. Uh, it was sort of the, the accuracy that we were, we were kind of wondering about. You know, maybe he's worked hard in the offseason, and, and maybe we've got ourselves another – you know, kind of diamond uh, kicker here. We've we've been pretty fortunate, Mike, with kickers. Prater, although his college career wasn't as probably as good as he wanted it to be, but Moffitt, Prater, Wright, uh, you know, even Dylan Barnes last year was solid. Um, you know, we've been pretty fortunate in the kicking game. Hopefully this is another another in the long line of great UCF kickers. Uh, we hope so. But, you know, it only takes that one miss for people. And he sucks, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, Matt Prater is – going to be a borderline hall of famer and what do we remember him for he missed the extra point in hawaii bowl (laughs) so you miss one when it counts and you're in the doghouse forever but as long as he's consistent that's all we can really ask for out of this kid all right that's our i think we got all three years right we did all three years we did all three of mine so uh that is that's our game breakdown again uh uh, we tell you what we saw and uh Hopefully it's something that uh, maybe we made you think about. So uh, sit tight for just a second. We're going to put a commercial on right here. So indulge us for, for a quick 30 seconds. And when we come back from that, we're going to do our new segment again, UCF Observations. Uh, listen to this commercial, and we'll be right back. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. All right. We got news. We got notes. We got thoughts. We got opinions. We write a lot of stuff down during the game. A lot of it we can't read um, because it's a little illegible as the game gets on. But uh, these are UCF observations, quick little one-liners, one uh, one observation, one thought that uh, we had throughout the game. Mike, uh, I'll let you kick off. Give, give me your first observation. All right. Bloody Marys at 11 a.m. for the pregame show? Why does everybody complain about noon kickoffs? I don't get it. What's wrong with Bloody Marys at 11? I mean, nothing wrong with Bloody Marys at 10. That's a lot of tomato juice. I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of tomato juice. Um, here, here's what I got. Add, add more vodka next time. That's fair enough. Here's what I got. Johnny Richardson can scoot. Yes, he can. All right, down 7 nothing to start the game. Again, I'm seeing a trend here. First possession, Randy is on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Holton Aylers, I you know, listen, I respect the hustle and the drive. I know it was a pandemic and all, but, but dude, maybe next time try deadlifting two cinder blocks. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I feel like the one cinder block deadlift they showed there, I just wasn't really, wasn't scaring me, that's all. <laughs> four false starts to start the game with zero people in the crowd i wanted to rip my eyeballs out watching that uh ecu receiver cj johnson fake tough guy that's it i'm gonna say i'm like fake tough guy the first the first pass of the game he, he caught a, a nice pass he got up he was yelling in zamari uh, maxwell i actually thought the flag was gonna be on him for taunting but it wasn't Next play of the game, he blindsides somebody, gets called for a penalty, and then he goes without a catch for the next, like, three and a half quarters until he finally catches a garbage-time touchdown. Here's a guy we heard a lot about, and uh, really all I saw him do was uh, was nothing. So, uh, C.J. Johnson, fake tough guy. Nice. Dylan Gabriel had 100 passing yards on a drive that went 75 yards. That's interesting, let's, yeah. Let's see Chuck Norris do that. Well, that's my next one. Ready? UCF flag. <laughs> 41 unanswered points reinsert eyeballs UCF false start <laughs> Mike Golick is stealing my ideas for expanding the playoff <laughs> in season so when it happens everybody can thank me Dylan Gabriel I'm going to need you to never tackle another human being ever again. Never make any effort to tackle another human being. If another human being is coming towards you in a manner that you think to yourself, I'm going to tackle this guy, just don't. Just fall to the ground. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so you'll just run off to the sideline. Just get out of there. Get up to six points. I'm going to need you to never wrap your arms around another human being ever again. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma lost. They better be careful. Only four or five more of those, and they might be out of the top 25. False start on the offense. Five-yard penalty. Repeat the down. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to get it out of the way. Arrogant Gator fans are back. <laughs> oh, they are back. Oh, they are back. And here here comes the whole Kyle Trask is the next Joe Burrow thing, too. God, I hope I, I do not want to hear that in my life. The AAC refs 
where we turned 15 minute quarters into an hour of football. <laughs> Florida State and the Cows. ESPN bottom 10, collision course. <laughs> Who wins that game if they ever play each other? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody wins that game. We all lose. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like the refs threw so many flags. I think that the yellow butterflies must have thought there was a family reunion because there was a bunch of yellow, yellow butterflies just, just fluttering about the field. Maybe they just saw the yellow and was like, oh, it must be a family reunion situation because I can't figure out why else all those yellow butterflies were there. <laughs> well, you already told us he can scoot, but Johnny Richardson, can scoot. he's going to be special. Hey, Mike Golick, thanks for nothing, buddy. <laughs> Right? You said if there was a blowout, you'd work us in there. I was thinking it was over by the second half, uh, before the second half even started. And uh, we can't get one minor sons of UCF drop. We can't get one, hey, I was talking to some UCF guys this week. Even if you didn't say his by name, we would have knew you were talking about us. Uh, we can't get nothing. So, Mike Gola, thanks for nothing, buddy. Yeah, not even when the game switched over to ESPNU. I mean, come on. Uh, East Carolina calling a timeout with 30 seconds left, down by 30. You could just see all the degenerate gamblers losing their freaking minds. <laughs> I was talking to one of them at the time, too. It was pretty funny. <laughs> that was kind of crappy. Uh, Mike Norvell might want to stay in quarantine another week. He just, he just might want to stay in I hope he's okay, by the way. I hope his health is fine. But he just he might want to you know keep himself in quarantine. Yeah, things are ugly over there. Ugh. The 100th episode of Sons of UCF. That's 99 more than I thought we would do when the, when you pitched the idea to me a couple years ago. Like, nothing makes me more tired than watching Anthony Montalvo chase the quarterback. Because I feel like he's so close every time, and he's going to get it, he's going to get it, and then the quarterback just throws the ball away. And then I get tired watching him watching him run. Uh, but he's, he's always around the quarterback. I'll give him that. But nothing makes me more tired because he just he never quite catches him. Uh, he'll get there, hopefully, this week. All right, the Sons of UCF podcast, partly sunny. And the pregame show. That's three days a week. What the hell are we thinking? And speaking of hell, Don Williams. Last one for me. Hey, did you guys know that Holt Naylor's dad was the PA announcer of the stadium? <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that or not. I just heard that someplace. I'm not sure if anyone picked up on that, but Holt Naylor's dad uh, was the PA announcer at the stadium. Mike, those are our UCF observations. If you have observations, hit us during the game. We're, we're open to it. We'll steal your ideas. We will uh, we'll probably not give you any credit for it, but uh, we're open to uh, to your observations as well. But uh, coming up next, Mike, I guess we'll do uh, – got a lot of things. Uh, Hype Translator is on deck here. So Josh Hype meets the media. Uh, he tells you one thing, but uh, he doesn't really tell you what he means. Well, we'll do that for you. Stick around. Josh Hype Translator coming up next, only on the Sons of UCF. It's the translator time. <laughs> All right, uh, Heupel's translator is getting, uh, getting revved up, Mike. Uh, but I, even I think Josh Heupel would appreciate a screen skin uh, because you know he loves UCF. He loves talking about UCF. He's always wearing UCF gear. And uh, I think the perfect compliment for Coach Heupel would actually be a screen skin for his phone. I don't know what kind of phone Josh has. I assume he's got one of those iPhone 11 deals. He seems like he's one of those kind of guys. And if he does, he's in good hands because screen skin, it's a screen protector for your phone. But what it has, it has a UCF logo that's on the front there, Mike. So when your phone is lit up, you see, uh, you see, you see the screen. It looks perfect. You see your your apps. You see all your photos. You're good to go. Your screen fades to black, and the UCF logo appears. So people know that you're a UCF fan. Imagine Hypel is in the living room of a recruit, 
And he's talking to this kid and he's like, Hey, listen, you got to come to UCF, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, you know, his phone goes off and they look down for a second and then it goes back and his kids goes, Oh my God, do you have a UCF thing on your phone? And I was like, well, that's just how I roll. That's how we do it at UCF. And the kid's like, how do I get one of these? And Hypo says, listen, I can't give you one because it's probably an NCAA violation, but if you go to Screenskins, that's S-K-I-N-Z on Google, you'll find their website and uh, you can put one in your cart there. And Hypo might say, listen, do me a favor. My guys, Adam and Mike, they're my, they're my guys. Type in Sons of UCF. That's a promo code. You get 10% off. And Hypo closes the deal on the Screenskin, gets the recruit, and UCF goes undefeated again, Mike. I can see it right now. <laughs> it's probably already happened. And like you said, Hypo has the, the iPhone 11, you think? You can get a screen skin for any phone because I have an iPhone 7 and it works perfectly on my phone. It comes in all different sizes. It's a thing of beauty. You don't have one by now. I don't know what the heck you're doing. It is very cool. It's magic on your phone. Support support UCF. Get a screen skin and it protects your phone at the same time. So I don't know what else you guys want from it. And you want, you want it to do your taxes for you? It could probably do that too. Easy, easy on the taxes joke. <laughs> not sure, not sure that'll play well. Uh, but here's the other thing: I, uh, if you follow these guys on social media, they are blowing up right now on uh, on social media, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, they, they've got a ton of requests coming in. Inventory is going to get really low here really quickly because more and more people are finding out about screen skins, and they have UCF stuff. That's what you're going to want. But, but if you were in a sorority, a uh, sorority, well, a sorority, fraternity, whatever, uh, they have all different types and and, and sizes and, and all different schools. Maybe you're significant other went to some other school or something you want to get them one all different kinds of stuff either way whatever screen skin you want sons ucf promo code gets you 10 percent off again google screen skin skins is s-k-i-n-z promo code sons ucf gets you 10 percent off you can uh, you can thank us later but for right now you can thank josh heupel for giving you these quotes on the josh heupel translator coming up right after this josh heupel says a lot but sometimes doesn't say much mike that's why we are here we have uh, exclusively procured a uh, machine here that will take any quote Hypel has and it'll tell you what he really meant to say. So Hypel met the media on Monday. Mikey had a lot of really good quotes here. And, uh, and so I'm going to start off with the first one for you, buddy. I'm going to read you the question. I'll read you his quote. I'll hit the translator and, and you tell me what he really meant. So here we go. Question. Now that you had time to look at the film, what stood out against ECU and the penalties you had? Heupel said, quote, the penalties do stand out. We've got to get that corrected. It's a huge part of the football game, making the situations tougher for us offensively. Defensively, extending possessions for those guys. Pre-snap, post-whistle, penalties got to stop. Occasionally, there's going to be a playing penalty when you're trying to play hard and aggressive. You can live with those. The other ones have to be eliminated. We have to find a way to do that by the time we get to Saturday night. That's what Heupel said, Mike. What the, what the heck did he really mean? I knew this crap was coming. This is what I was fearing <laughs> five minutes into the game. and we I could already see all you guys asking me about these penalty questions right when the game started. I don't have a, an explanation for it right now. We all know the rules. We know we're not supposed to move before the ball moves. Yet it kept happening over and over again. I haven't found a way to stop it yet in two and a half years. I don't know if I'm going to have a way to stop it, but we have to get it corrected by Saturday night because that's when the next game is. And if we do it all over again, you guys are going to keep asking me about it. Uh, I'm tired about. I'm tired of hearing it. So quit asking, Nick Saban style. Wow. Yeah. I mean, look, I can see him being a little frustrated about that. Who do you think? Um, uh, you know, who who pays the price here? I mean, do you think it's uh, does he get on LRB? Does you know is it, is it the players? Like, I, I wonder. I'm dying to know Heupel's discipline system here, um, and and how he corrects these because obviously just it's been sort of the. 
you know, the bugaboo, whatever the hell that means, uh, of his coaching tenure so far. Yeah, it's definitely one of them. Um, I don't know who he goes after. He he seems like a player's coach where he, he doesn't – you don't see him yelling at the players really that much. You don't see him getting in guys' faces like O'Leary used to do. Um, you don't really see him yelling at his coaches either. You see him yell at the refs, and it seemed like that's who he was going after in this situation too, blaming it on the refs. But eventually he's got us to start taking accountability himself and, and find somebody to put the – blame on it starts with him and then it goes on to his coaches and the players so i don't know what he's gonna do man but he's gotta get that stuff cleaned up he's the head coach he's in charge you gotta find a way to like he said the the penalties that happen during the play you're being aggressive you get a a pass interference or something every once in a while you gotta live with it but these things pre-snap unacceptable man i agree all right here's one for you is there anything about playing at home that becomes more difficult with the COVID protocols? He says, for us, there's a comfort in playing at home because of your routine in your hotel. Your food is consistent. It's what our players know. It will not be the exact same that has been in years past because of certain protocols. I think what's different for us is that you're running out of the tunnel in your home stadium with your crowd there. 20 or 25% capacity. It won't look and feel the exact same. Understanding that we still have to create our own energy and sustain it, that's a big part of Saturday evening for us as well. Look, it's, it's you know, I'm glad we're playing this year. We want to go 1-0. We're on a 1-0 journey each week, and this is our next opportunity to go 1-0. Wish we had our fans there to, to, to go 1-0, but, uh, you know, we've got we've to, gotta, I told you, we've got to bring the juice, right? If, if we're not juice, uh, we're not juiced up, we're, we're juiceless, and we don't need to do that, so... You know, we're going to, we're going to try to make it up. I'm going to get out of the gate or quick, probably throw a couple quick bubble screens, you know, really get, uh, really get the fans excited. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to bring our own energy. It's going to be difficult and, and hopefully everyone's safe and healthy, but you know, we're on a one to no journey every week. And, uh, this is another week to go one to know, you know, we're going to go one to know if there are a hundred people or a hundred thousand people, our guys are going to be prepared. They're going to be ready to go. I'm going to have these guys dialed in and, uh, you're going to see a good UCF football game. It's going to be a little weird, man. The last few years, we, our home field advantage has been one of the best in college football. I mean, the, the stadium only holds 45,000 compared to some of these 100,000 uh, people stadium. It's just as loud, and it's a young fan base. I don't know what to expect this week because I don't even think of the quarter capacity we're allowed. That looks like there's still plenty of those tickets remaining coming into this game. Hmm. Uh, it, it could be – pretty sparse out there and but you know what you're gonna have the diehards you're gonna have the people that don't care about their health that are just gonna go out there and and support the team and do whatever it takes and it'll still seem i think on tv you'll probably hear the fans pretty good but being there it's got to be a big difference man because that place is rocking when these guys come out of the tunnel they can feel the whole building shaking when they're in the locker room before they even come out that's got to get them pumped up it's just not gonna be the same this week Look, I, I'm, I'm going to level with you, just me and you talking here. I, you know, I've certainly have been somebody who wants people to be safe and healthy. Uh, and, and obviously, everybody's going to make their own individual decisions on what they think that means for them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely understand that there are protocols in place. And I think it's a smart thing for people to, to follow those protocols and to do the right thing, if not for yourself, but for your fellow citizen, your fellow, uh, your fellow man or woman, as it were. 
But this week is going to bum me out, man, because to your point, this should be, I should be turning on this game, 7.30, seeing the bounce house rocking, everybody packed elbow to elbow, swinging their keys if they still do that, bouncing to Zombie Nation, uh, you know, just hearing the crowd go wild for the first time the Knights take the field, just seeing the energy when we rip off that first touchdown drive in a minute and five seconds. Uh, And it sucks that it's not going to be that way, man. And it's kind of been getting to me a little bit watching some of these other games. Obviously, not the UCF games uh, uh, as much as you know. Uh, you know, we were on the road for those. But even watching you know, some of the NFL games, and you're used to just hearing the crowds and whatnot, and you're like, "Oh man, it really kind of bums you out." I think this is going to be the first week it really kind of gets to me, where it's like, "Man, I you know, I don't want to ignore the fact that obviously there's some some major uh, things that are at play here, and there's a reason why we, we're we are where we are." But this one's going to bum me out, man. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could go to the game if we want, <laughs> but it wouldn't be the same when you're there either. You know, it's just not the, the people that are going, you can't tailgate, you can't hang out before the game with your friends. That's a big part of game day, is, especially yeah. for, you know, I was thinking about going and my wife actually wanted me to go. She wants to take me. She wants to go with the kids and my mom. And I kind of told her, no, because <laughs> when I put your foot down, buddy, <laughs> because one, I don't want to go with the four of them. If it was me and a couple guys, it was me and you. Yeah, it'd be different. But with them, they don't know much about football. They don't care about football. When they go to the game, they have a good time because of the whole day and yeah. the tailgating and walking around campus and the kids are hanging out with Nitro and we're going to the alumni center and all that. That's what they have fun doing. They're not going to have a good time going to actually just going to watch the football game. And the place is going to be three quarters empty. It's not going to feel the same for them. And then it's just going to be me hanging out with four girls that don't know anything about football. Uh, so I told her, no, I don't <laughs> <laughs> in that situation. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Man. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, it's yeah. Like I said, this this is this is the week. I think it's really going to bum me out. Um, you know, because it you know you think about all those times where you're at the stadium and you're just anticipating watching the game and you're seeing it all on TV and and unfortunately, you know, things just have to be different this year. The tailgating thing is huge, like you said. I mean, it's it's a big part of the revelry of going to college football is hanging out and you know, you know being an idiot in the parking lot for three and a half hours when no other place on earth would you go stand in a parking lot for three and a half hours. But at a football game, it seems like a personal, a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, just going to be a, going to be a bummer this week. So, all right, last one I have for you from the, uh, old translator, um, question was, or the statement was from the early second quarter through the rest of the game, you had stretch cradle out there replacing Ryan O'Keefe in four receiver sets. Talk about that move and what you saw. Heupel said, quote, we have a ton of uh, confidence in stretch as we do in Ryan. I think you've seen in the first couple of weeks, there's a lot of guys at the wide receiver position that we're really comfortable with putting in the game and targeting. Wanted to get stretched some opportunities. He earned that in practice. I thought Ryan performed extremely well given the opportunity. You'll see a rotation as those guys play. We played in more four receiver sets than we probably did a year ago. So more and more guys will have those opportunities as we get into drives and sub in and out. Mike, I know you love stretch Creedle. What the heck was Hypo trying to say there? Hey, O'Keefe started the game, and O'Keefe made some big plays early in this game. Yeah, I got Cradle in there because why not? The kid is a specimen. We saw what he can do. Hey, I have so many weapons. What do you want me to just limit it to Ryan O'Keefe? I mean, I got to get all these guys some playing time, especially early in the year. This is audition time. If Trey Nixon's not ready to come back yet, we need everybody that we can possibly have to contribute. So I, I had to get Cradle in there. And why not? And I'm going to get some other guys in there too as the season goes along. Amari Johnson and some of these other guys. 
that we haven't seen too much of yet. So that well, I'm not just going to limit myself to one guy. Ryan O'Keefe was the first guy in, but we got to see what everybody can do. It's only fair. Uh, first off, Trace Trelko looked like an, a, a genius because right as we were kind of uh, hurriedly getting off the pregame show, he said a player to watch was Ryan O'Keefe. On that first couple of drives, O'Keefe came out with two really big catches. Uh, and I text Trace, and I was like, man, I don't know. Did you know something we didn't know? And obviously, O'Keefe's uh, opportunities kind of dwindled after that. No fault of his own. Yeah, again, we've talked about this on pregame shows. We've talked about this on preview shows. It's an embarrassment of riches sometimes at those positions. And uh, it's just good to see Hypo finally get some trust in those guys. I think we, we all kind of see and recognize the talent these guys have. And, again, Kavan Ahmad not pictured. Amari Johnson didn't get a ton of run. I saw Alec Holler out there for, for a pass reception, number 82. Uh, a big guy. I think he's a walk-on, former walk-on. Uh, I mean, it looked, according to the game notes, uh, Zach Marshall Wojan got some run. I didn't, I didn't remember what play he got in on. I didn't see him in there. Um, so it's good to see these young guys getting a chance. And you're right, if if Trey's going to be out for a significant amount of time, and I know there's still some debate on what that it looks like. And 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 unsurprising news, Hypo hasn't provided a ton of clarity there. Uh, it'd be great to see one of these kids step up and and then take a take the reins and, and hopefully we get a chance to see all of them play. Cause I do think, you know, if we can keep rotating these young fast guys in there, right. And Marlon, you know, Marlon like breaks his body on every play. The kid plays so freaking hard, you know, that, you know, he, he's in there, he, he breaks his body over the middle, comes out for a play and we roll in a, you know, Ryan O'Keefe, who's a, like a four, four speedster. All of a sudden the defense is like, wait, what? This one guy went out. Now this guy's fast too. Like what the hell are we doing here? I mean, I can just imagine the, the confusion on the back end of the defense when we just keep rolling in four, four guys to, to burn past people. So hopefully Hypo finds a way to get them all involved in the, in the offense, because I do think we have a lot of weapons out there. Yeah. It's almost too much to keep track of. So, I mean, can you imagine oh. a, a DB's like, Oh, finally that Jalen Robinson's out. Who's this guy for? O'Keefe never heard of him. Right. And all of a sudden he turned around and he's running past you. Right. <laughs> all, right all right. First down. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Marlon Williams, this guy's a beast. Okay. Oh, who's this guy? 13 cradle. Never heard of this guy. Yeah. He's probably got nothing. All of a sudden he just leaps up over you like a pterodactyl and makes a catch. Right. He's like, Oh, who's this guy? <laughs> right. And then you, you throw in Jacob Harris, Jacob Harris. Uh, I mean, God, I God, I love Jay. Like he's on the all getting off the bus team, right? Because <laughs> you see this guy, he's he's six five. He's a he's a huge guy. He made some catches down the stretch, Mike. He he, you know, he wasn't just go route Jacob this this particular game. He had a couple of pretty tough drops, uh, but he he definitely made some improvement. But I mean, again, we go from some fast speed guys to power guys like Marlon to pterodactyls like Jacob Harris and Stretch Creedle. If I'm a DB, I'm just like uncle. My my ankle hurts. I got to come out because I don't even know what you do after a while. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's impossible to cover all these guys. It really is, unless you have one of the top secondaries in the country. I don't know how you stop them. And even when you do that, you still got the running backs to factor in. So. Yeah, if we get blocking, right, and, and, and DG has the time, and then, you know, uh, even if, even you know, even if obviously we're not going to run a pass play, and all of a sudden the DB's running downfield with a 4-4 Rhino Keefe and turns around and Greg McRae's, you know, full head of steam at him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a problem if we can get things right. And that's probably why I think a lot of people, you know, us included, are so tough on the grading of some of these things because we recognize that if we could just get things clicking, I mean, it's it's probably a literal impossibility to stop us. Right. I mean, it, it, in all honesty, not even trying to be a homer, it's probably a literal impossibility to keep us down for an entire 60 minute game if we have things clicking. And so it's it's tough when we have sort of the self-inflicted wounds, uh, because we know that, you know, there there certainly are are things we could definitely do better. Right. Well, last one for me, speaking of one of the weapons, what's the status of Otis Anderson? How is he feeling after the game? Looks like he got nicked up. Bit of a surprise answer here. 
yeah, got nicked up early in the football game. We haven't been back on the practice field, but this morning was light jog and lift. I full anticipate being 100% here. Well, I didn't say here when, right? I said here, here in 2020. I mean, who, you, who knows what here means? Here can mean next week. Here can mean in a minute. Here can mean an hour. Listen, we have a lot of faith in the guys we have in the backfield. And uh, I'm not telling you who's running anyway, because why would I do that? I'm, I'm not telling you who's playing. I don't tell you who's playing. I don't tell anybody who's playing. I don't tell them they're playing. I don't, I don't even know that some of their names. I just call them by code names because I don't want to get involved in all this stuff because, you know, we've got guys and I'm going to play who I want to play. And, uh, you know, yeah, he might be. He, he'll definitely be 100% at some point. So stop asking me these questions. I'm not going to tell you who's playing. Um, who, who is that, by the way? Is that, is that you? Is that you, Merchelle? Is that you, Helwig? I mean, who's asking these questions? Come on. Now my first rodeo. I guess if you say 100% healthy, that the other team has to prepare for him, right? <laughs> so that, that's one way of doing it. Instead of just saying uh, he may be here, we're not telling you whether he's healthy or not. Just tell everybody that everybody's healthy. Yeah, Trey Nixon's ready to go this week too, You know, even if he's not. Which, by the way, I think we're hearing – I mean, there was a rumor out there today that he may not be as injured as first thought, maybe out for a couple more weeks. Maybe we have him back to the Memphis game. We have a bye week after Tulsa, so that would be great news. But Otis coming back, that we'll see that this week, and we'll know right away. But that's a huge piece of the offense. We haven't really gotten Otis rolling yet yeah. in these first couple games. Yeah. Once that happens, I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Plus, we had uh, Demarius Good went out on a uh, special teams play. Um, not sure what his status is. Obviously, a younger guy. He probably would have gotten some run out there with Johnny Richardson. Again, the, the good, good news is that for some reason, Otis can't go this week, and, and Hyper wants to take a rest before uh, before the bye week to, to have you know people ready for Memphis. You know, maybe Johnny Richardson gets a few more touches. Right? That's not the worst thing in the world. You know, Ben Tavius, you know, maybe he gets a couple more touches. I mean, he's played really well in the stretches he's been in. Uh, obviously, McCray, you know, we know what he can do, so – uh, you know, maybe maybe Hypo rolls the dice and tries to rest these guys, you know, one more week, you know, gets the bye week and then says, OK, we're going to be fully loaded rolling into uh, to Memphis. So, um, you know, again, I I think if it was if it was uh, I don't I, I don't even know if anyone knows where he got injured, how he got injured, what what he got injured. I think I saw something on Twitter that it was some sort of a potentially like an upper upper body injury, maybe a rib back situation. Um, so, you know, who, who knows what uh, what that holds. But uh you know, I guess if Hypo's going to come out and say he'll be 100% here soon, you know, I assume, you know, he didn't say that about Trey Nixon. He could have, but he didn't. Um, so maybe that bodes well. But, you know, to your point, if Otis gets rolling, whew, stop the presses. <laughs> My goodness. Right. Actually, I thought Marlon looked pretty good back there returning punts. He seemed comfortable and pretty aggressive back there. So that was good to see. The only thing I don't like yeah. about us doing that, though, and same thing with Otis and Marlon is – you know, not that, you know, not that those guys aren't big, strong, durable guys, but, you know, they're also big parts of the offense, right? So anytime you have a punt returner back there, that's somebody who could get injured. Uh, you know, I'd hate to lose Marlon on a punt return or Otis on a punt return. Not that they, you know, they aren't weapons back there, but and not that I want to get anybody hurt, but you think about all the speed guys we have out there. And I understand there's, there's more to a punt return or kick return than just being fast. But, um, you know, when we keep trotting out our starters, it makes me just get one. That's one more play there out in the field and they can get hurt. That's one more play that, you know, something fluke could happen. So, you know, if, if that was like, you know, the only options we had, I would go, okay, we, we got to do this. But, you know, uh, it, there's so many other guys we have back there. At some point, I, I, I wish we get some of those younger guys an opportunity. Well, I think that's a good point, actually, with Marlon. Seeing that Trey Nixon already went down, he's our next number one receiver now. So, yeah, I could see your point there. But that's been the thing in college football forever. Right? So you see star players returning punts all the time, returning kicks. I mean, Going back to as far as I can remember, that's always been the case. So, 
But yeah, I see where you're coming from. You don't want to take the chance on some of those guys, especially with, with our offense where I said we can score from anywhere. You don't really need a, a punt return for a touchdown. Just hold on to the ball. Don't fumble. That's the most important thing. Yeah, if there's a big spot where you want a big return, and yeah, sure, okay, Otis, get out there, get, get this one for us, right? But if you're just going to have somebody out there and, and waving a hand around or someone who's going to get, you know, maybe a three- or four-yard return, you know, maybe maybe save one of those guys and make sure that we uh, we keep them fresh and uh, and healthy. But uh, who knows? Not that Hypo will ever tell us anyway, but uh, that's the Josh Hypo translator. Again, exclusive here to us at the Sons of UCF show. Uh, Mike, let's grab a little break right here, and uh, when we come back, let's uh, let's get you fired up for your weekly picks and uh, we'll see how you did, and we'll see how, how everyone else is doing. So stick around right after this. Sons of UCF, Mike's Weekly Picks, episode 100. Mike versus everybody. It's time to uh, to recap the weekend that was for our beloved UCF Mike you're not familiar here's what mike does every week he picks some games that have some connection to ucf you know maybe it's a conference opponent somebody we're playing down the road or somebody maybe in the state that's close to us and you know he just wants to pick on mike has a a wide breadth of games he likes to pick he picked three last week uh let's get some results mike how uh how did we fare you'd been on a pretty hot streak did you continue that well I kind of got ripped off this week. Oh, yeah, so you did. Okay. <laughs> there were three games that I picked. One of them did not get played. The Cows and FAU. So I'm, I'm confident I would have won that one. I had FA, FAU. Okay. Uh, the one game I lost was the UCF game against East Carolina, and we know exactly what happened there with the backdoor cover with, in the last minute of the game. UCF should have easily covered that game, and if it wasn't for – um, settling for field goals early on in the game. I think we easily should have done that. But it is what it is. It looked like we were going to cover once Johnny Richardson scored that touchdown. I felt comfortable, and then these guys came right back down the field to cover the, what was it, 27 points. So lost that one. And the other game was a push because I had Cincinnati and Army. I had Army getting the 14 points. They lost by 14. We're in the uh, Sons of UCF pool. Uh, Pool tracker. They were actually getting 15 and a half, so I won there. But I also took them here on the show. I guess I'm going to do honor system. I, I took them with only 14 points on the show. They only lost by 14, so it doesn't count as a win for me. So only 0 and 1 last week with the one UCF loss. So that puts me at 4 and 3 now for the season. Still on the plus side. Okay. All right. All so right. Not too bad. Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel bad. These cancellation games are going to be a problem all year. I don't know how you solve for that, though, you know? No, and you don't know when they're coming. Sometimes they get canceled on Monday. Sometimes they get canceled on Friday. Yeah, you said they can get canceled up to 9.30 a.m. the day of the game. So hopefully we don't see any of that, at least without any UCF games. So. But four and three on the year, and here we go with another three picks. Play that funky music, white boy. Boom. Game number one. Navy is seven-point favorites at Air Force. Navy had got off to a couple slow starts this year. We saw the disaster against BYU to start the season. And then the Tulane game was the second game of the year. I believe they were down 24-0 in that game. Came all the way back and won 27-24. Showed some fight where they could have, really, they could have just packed in the season. And they gave up, what, 55 points to BYU, another 24 to start that game. A lesser team would have just given up. These guys showed some fight. That's why they, they are who they are. They're 
Navy midshipmen. I mean, our country depends on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, Air Force. Air Force hasn't played a game yet. They only had two games scheduled on the season until Mountain West decided to make a return. So they're going to add to that. But they only had this Navy game and an Army game scheduled this year. Air Force was pretty good last year. They were 11-2, finished the year with eight straight wins, including a win against Washington State in the bowl game. They're returning their quarterback, Donald Hammond III, which is a pretty cool name. And they're contenders in the Mountain West. They can contend for the title with Boise State. I'm looking for a close game here. Obviously, you know, we're rooting for Navy. We always got the American ties. We got to root for Navy. But I see this as a, a field goal game either way. I'll take the points with Air Force. They're getting seven, so I'll take Air Force over Navy with the seven points. Okay. All right. Go Navy. Yeah, go Navy. I'm rooting for Navy. Game number two. The Cows back in action, yeah. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting 21 points this week at Cincinnati. Now, the Bearcats coming off a pretty tough game against Army, we talked about earlier. Only one by 14. Usually teams that play teams like Army or Navy or teams like the old Georgia Tech school teams where they're running the ball, they're running a triple option nonstop, teams usually have a little hangover after those physical games. That may be the case here with Cincinnati this week. And the Cows had a week off this week. So they had an extra week to, to recover from the blowout against Notre Dame. To be fair, they had a week off before that too. <laughs> they didn't really do much the week prior. That's true. So, and the game got postponed early in the week. So, you would think if they're a good coaching staff and a good, a decent team, they start their focus on Cincinnati early. They had an extra four or five days to prepare for Cincinnati. Now we're on to Cincinnati, right? And Cincinnati's offense has not impressed me too much. I watched the bits and pieces of that game against Army. Ritter looked pretty shaky at times. That was actually a closer game. There was a touchdown game until the end when they put up the second touchdown. The question here is going to be, can the Cows muster 10 to 14 points? I think that's all they really need to do. Get 10 to 14 points on the board. I, I, this may be a shocker to everyone. I'm going to take the Cows with the oh, points. Good Lord. 21 points. I don't know if Cincinnati's offense is that good. So... I see Cincinnati winning something maybe like 31-13, but not enough points, man. 21, three touchdowns. I'll give the Cows with that extra little rest in there to keep it a little closer than the experts think. Okay. Wow. I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little stunned right now. It, it, yeah. took, it took 100 episodes, but you finally done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those where you can't lose because if they, if they keep it within 21, then I win my pick. And if they don't, then I'm happy because they got their ass kicked. There you go. So. It's a win-win. Uh, the game I really wanted to pick was the Memphis SMU game. Uh, I think that's the prime game of the week in the conference, but I couldn't find a line for it. So I had to skip it. So it takes me to game number three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> game number three, which I wanted to stay away from for some reasons. The UCF game. Oh, boy. 21 and a half point favorites against Tulsa. Tulsa's has only played one game so far, but they actually looked pretty decent. Right? They hung in there with a team, Oklahoma State, that was supposed to be pretty good. Only lost 16-7. to 7. The UCF offense is firing on all cylinders so far, though. 50 points per game after two weeks. Back in the bounce house for the first time this season, even though it's only going to be a quarter full. 
We know the struggles we've had against these guys in the past. You know the struggles we had in Tulsa. We've never won there. But I'm sure you know, and maybe not everybody knows this, the last time we lost in the bounce house was to Tulsa, mm. 2016. So it's not like we've actually dominated these guys at home either. The extra half point makes you hesitate a little bit, right? 21 and 21 and a half is a, is a big difference when you're picking games. The penalties that we saw last week did not make me feel good. Uh, but, but I think this is the revenge game. We talked about it. Dylan Gabriel says he's been waiting for this game. The team has been waiting for this game. We've had this circled on the calendars now since we lost that game last year. The last game we lost was to these guys in a game we had no business losing. The Knights will come out on top. They will cover the 21 and a half. We're going to put up our 55 points as usual, and we'll give up 24. 55-24, UCF wins comfortably and covers the 21 and a half point spread. Quickly, I'm seeing on uh, line here, I'm seeing a uh, minus two and a half Memphis SMU. Memphis favorite. Memphis favorite. It's at SMU, though, right? That's correct, yes. Oh, you want me to give you a bonus pick? Hit me. Give me Bouchelle and the Ponies. I'll take them. I think they may win outright. Memphis now has been sitting around for three weeks. They haven't played in a while. They may be out of sorts. SMU put up a big number the last couple of times out. So they may have things moving there. I like SMU. And I don't know what is good for us, right? Because we want Memphis to be ranked as high as possible, yes. And we want Cincinnati to be ranked as high as possible. We want those. It's impossible for the both of them to be undefeated, you know, because they play each other before they play us. But um, SMU, we do not play at all. So it's fine with me if Cincinnati is the one that comes out undefeated. Memphis has a couple of losses. And then SMU at the end of the year, undefeated in the championship game. I think maybe the best scenario for us to get ranked as high as possible. A highly ranked SMU team. Well, I tell you what, uh, uh, Georgia Tech and Florida State did not do us any favors this weekend. Florida State got manhandled by Miami. Georgia Tech lost to Syracuse. So those two didn't do us any favors. Uh, so we're going to need some somebody in, on, on our damn schedule to be good this year. Yeah, and we're depending on Memphis, Cincinnati, and whoever we face in the championship game. We're like I'm saying, maybe SMU. Um, I don't know who else we can depend on. Not, <laughs> not much. And with not as many out of conference games, is there even any other? Are there any other chances for these American teams to pull off some big upsets? I don't even know. I had to look at everybody else's schedule, but I don't think there's many out of conference games left. No, I think we're we're pretty much at our max here at this point. So we'll just uh, I guess you know what we'll do a hypo here, Mike. We can only control. What we can control, and so that's uh, that's what we'll do. We got to go one another this week. Let's not forget about Tulsa, right? We we slept on them last year. And uh, we saw what happened. Obviously, the circumstances are, are a tad different, but uh, we uh, we slept on them last year, and they they came back and they uh, they put it on us. So hopefully this year we uh, we we make amends. Like revenge game is always sweet. All right, and there's no looking ahead to Memphis. It's not like Memphis is next week. There's a buy in between. I like the way the schedule sets up. So we have three games, and then a buy, then another three games, and a buy, and then another three games. So this is the first third of the season right here. It's coming to a close. We need to go three and zero. And then we'll worry about Memphis. You know, right now, just focus on this game. And there's no excuses, man. There's no excuses to be looking past these guys after having lost to them last year. So, 
Mike is not here for your excuses. Coming up next, though, um, we'll do a little. Uh, I don't. know. We got a lot of things uh, to cover right here. My cow of the week. We got uh, we got some voicemails for the uh, for the show, and uh, I guess we'll recap. Uh, you know, pregame stuff. I don't know. Who knows what you're going to get next? Just stick around. Sons of UCF. Show number one hundred. We're back right after this. I'm Jeff Allen. Join me each week for unique yet common sense opinions on sports on the Jeff Allen Sports Talk Podcast. We will break down the sports world minus the hot takes with prominent guests and my stable of sports guys. It's sports conversation the way it should be. Search Jeff Allen Sports Talk wherever you get your podcasts or go to JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. This is UCF Athletic Director Danny White. And if you don't want to be the cow of the week, you need to listen to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Charge on. Go Knights. All right. Uh, it's only fitting, Mike, that Danny White takes us into this segment, even though it's cow of the week. We're going we're gonna to take a, a bit of a detour here, and uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this being the 100th episode of the show. Uh, it, uh, I don't know if it's a big feat or not. I don't know how many shows uh, a, a podcast typically averages. Obviously, we're pretty happy. We're pretty proud that we got to 100. But we didn't get here alone, Mike. I think this is a good opportunity for us to stop and, and thank a few key people. I've wrote some names down here. I didn't confer with you, but I'm assuming you're going to agree with these names. So if you want to take somebody off, let me know, and uh, we can do that. But I think first and foremost, Mike, we got um, to thank our families, our wives, and our kids. Uh, obviously, they uh, they allow us the time to to step away and do this. And we probably spend way too much time planning and thinking and, and doing these shows. Uh, and obviously, our families are really supportive of us doing this. So, uh, big thanks to our wives and our kids for uh, for letting us kind of have a little fun here and and uh, and uh, I guess take on this new hobby. Uh, obviously, without their support, it'd be much more difficult. So, we uh, we definitely want to thank them. Obviously, we started off and we were, uh, you know, young, foolish, didn't know what we were doing, and uh, and Trace and Andrew took a chance on us and gave us a platform and taught us a bunch and uh, you know helped us continue to to hone our craft and. Uh, you know, I think over time we kind of found our voice, we found our niche and, you know, uh, things improved overall. So uh, definitely uh, big thanks to both those guys for all their support as we kind of came up uh, throughout the uh, throughout the years here. Um, I think the other cool thing, Mike, I don't know about you, but there's just a handful of people that we've had a chance to interact with and and get to know kind of more personally, even even somewhat as friends. I mean, these are people now that I get text messages from during the games and, you know, the uh, the relationship has extended upon us just being their uh, their go to listen for podcasts. So just a couple of names I'll throw out here. I'm sure I'll forget a bunch. Uh, you can't forget about Nelson, uh, Halftime Paul, Manny Amores, our guy, Cost Seg Advisor, James Reed, JP Gilbert, uh, Ben Stout, Paul Jones, Jeff Allen, Ali O'Connor, Libby. Uh, some other guys whose names I don't know, we haven't had a chance to talk to, but they, they're always loyal and they follow us all the time. Barry Addict, Angus and me, Brandon Nitro, uh, Mario, who's Lonely B uh, on Twitter, um, and, and probably a host of others I'm never going to remember and I'm going to forget right now. But uh, we've just been really fortunate to have a lot of people who have uh, given us an opportunity and, uh, and listened to our stuff, and uh, we're so appreciative of all that. You know, there's a lot of those names you just mentioned. I think most of them, if not, I'll just say most of them. I've listened to all 100 episodes, which is pretty crazy to think about. We were just two guys sitting around doing nothing, and you said you want to do a podcast. I said sure. I didn't <laughs> think anybody. I didn't think anybody was going to listen to the first one, and somehow people did. Even my parents listened to the first ones. Probably the last time they listened to it. Anymore. That's yeah, my wife doesn't really listen, but these people do. And if it wasn't for them, then we'd just be two idiots talking to each other again. So I'm very, th- very thankful for all the people that listen. 
And uh, it's been fun. It's, just, it's a hobby now. It's something I enjoy doing every week. I, I can't wait to to get back on here on the phone with you every Monday and talk about the game and talk about what's coming up. Even in the offseason when we had no games to talk about. Just find stuff to talk about UCF because that's what we care about so much. Talking to the ex-players has been a blast. And the coaches, that's one cool thing I never even thought about when we first started the show is that we we're going to get to talk to all the people that we've already talked to all the players and all the stories we've gotten from these guys. It's been awesome. And I'm looking forward to keeping it going and getting better at it. Cause I know at first we were probably not that great. <laughs> <laughs> I probably don't want to go back and listen to those first few episodes. So maybe a good thing that they're gone. <laughs> but, and right, even right now we're probably not that great. We look back a couple of years from now, if we're still doing it, we'll say, what the hell were we doing? Even the first hundred episodes sucked, you know, <laughs> but to us, it's been fun and that's all that really matters is we're having a good time doing it and we'll keep improving as we go along. Yeah. That's a cool thing is, is regardless of, of, you know, how the show, you know, sounds every week or whatnot. The one thing I can promise you is what you see or what you hear out of you, of, of me and Mike, this is, this is literally who we are. And so I'm just thankful that people have kind of accepted us for who we are and how we, how we think about football games and our school and some of the, some of the jokes that we have and some of the segments we try and some of the things that we do. Uh, and they've kind of allowed us to be ourselves because I can promise you one, 100%, this is authentic of, of what it would be like, regardless if this thing was being recorded or not. So again, it's just a big thanks to everybody. There's no possible way I, I'm going to be able to, or Mike's going to be able to say everybody's name. Who's, who's supported us along the way. Hopefully we hit the, you know, some of the, some of the bigger ones and, and we look forward to even gaining, you know, more fans, more supporters, more people who want to listen to us. Uh, we're going to continue to keep doing this thing for as long as our, our wives will allow us and as long as you'll listen. So we'll see which one of those two uh, things come to an end first, Mike. But I do have a special surprise. We did get a couple of voicemails. Some people called in and, uh, and want to leave some messages for us uh, to, I guess, just share their thoughts on the show. And so I'm going to play some of these for uh, for you and for everybody else right now. The first one is uh, probably the, the – I don't know if we had a number one fan contest. I feel like if we did, this guy would – probably be right there as uh, as our number one fan and uh it's been cool to get to know him we uh you know we, we we now text during the game at times too so it's been cool to get to know him so let's uh let's listen to our first voicemail mike from our uh, our good buddy nelson hey adam and mike it was nelson just wanted to thank you guys so much for all the entertainment and information you've brought us all congratulations on 100 episodes and hoping you guys have a thousand more Charge on. All right, Nelson. Th- the kind words as always. Nelson's always been really kind to us, Mike. It's it's uh, it's been cool. Even though you stood him up that one time, him and Ohana came out just to see you, and you <laughs> stood him up. He's still loyal to us. You gotta love Nelson. Nelson's the best, and I've apologized about that a thousand <laughs> times. <laughs> and it's probably never gonna it's never gonna be right until I actually get to sit down with Nelson and we get together and watch a game or whatever. But we will. That will happen. That, that will happen. Yes. So we need to get him on the pregame show. His sister's been on the pregame show now. Let me get Nelson on there. Make the, that'll make up for a little bit, if he wants to, because Nelson's a pretty private guy. We did see a picture of him surfacing around the last couple of days. Yes. So yeah. he looks like a fun guy. looks like a cool guy to hang out with. But thanks to Nelson, and if it wasn't for guys like him, the, the show would not exist. Yeah, you owe him a couple of Pacificos uh, and, uh, and some, some watching of the game. So, uh, so Nelson... I, I actually I bought some Pacificos this week. Oh, I was drinking Pacificos during the game this week after the Bloody Mary. So, you know, I kind of I forgot that he was the one that told me about that. Maybe it was subconsciously I bought him because of Nelson. Well, there you go. Uh, so, if, if Pacifico wants to either sponsor the show or maybe give Nelson some free beer, uh, 
you know, feel free. We'll, uh, we'll support that. Uh, the next voice you're going to hear, Mike, I don't even need to introduce who this guy is. Uh, you've heard this voice so many years. Uh, I know it's a voice you and I heard before we were doing the show. And uh, now we've got uh, gotten to know him. And he's he's now kind of uh, joined us and, and is helping us out do the pregame show right now, which has been a lot of fun. And we're glad to have him along as well. Uh, so let's uh, let's listen in to our, our, our good buddy, Trace Trelko, offer his uh, his thoughts. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Trelko here. Adam and Mike, congratulations on 100 episodes. Quite the feat. Here's to the next 100, though in all likelihood, I probably won't leave another message until you hit number 250. Congratulations. Keep up the great work. Love listening and love being a part of it on the new pregame show weekends and in front of UCF home football and road football games. Go Knights. Charge on. Listen, that, that hello, Night Nation, whenever you hear that, that's kind of like <laughs> Brent Musburger's You're Looking Live or, you know, uh, Keith Jackson, Oklahoma. I mean, that's just a uh, that's just a synonymous voice. Anytime you hear hello, Night Nation, you know it's Trace Trelko. <laughs> the guy is a professional. <laughs> he is a professional. And now working with him has been really cool in the pregame show. But I got to step my game up to try to even compete with this guy. Not compete, but just to get on his level or at least – Close to his level. The guy is a pro. He knows exactly what he's doing on the microphone. He loves UCF just like us. He's been around UCF even longer than us. You know, he's a couple years older than us. And he's got a sweet beard now to go along with sweet it. Beard. Which is getting, it's getting long there. He may, may have lost his keys in there once or twice already. <laughs> <laughs> but we love Trace, man. He's been very helpful from the very beginning. Very supportive from the very beginning. When he was on the other show, always promoting our show. And, and I really appreciate him doing everything he does for us. And he's a master of the Waka Talk. And I have it on good authority that uh, he's filmed another one already. And this is a special edition. So the, it's already in the can. I have not yet seen it. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, it is uh, it is going to – he upped the ante. Last week, his front yard with the Georgia Leary cutout was great. Somehow he managed to top it this week. So – uh, I have not seen it yet, but uh, keep an eye out for that because it should be dropping later in the week. So that's all I can t- share with you about the Trace Trelko uh, walk and talk uh, preview coming up soon. And the last one, Mike, is a, is a good friend of ours. Listen, you you've know, you know you've made it in the UCF space when this guy responds to you or tweets at you or gets you with the UCF fire emoji. Uh, and this was one of the very first people I distinctly remember, Mike. We did one of our very first shows, episode two or three. And he messaged me and was like, hey, great job. You know, you guys did this. I really like that. And to your point, I was kind of blown away that somebody listened to it. And not only that, he seemed like he actually, um, you know, took time to understand what we were saying. And he, you know, gave us some, some, you know, gave me some pointers, some counterpoints, some things to think about. And, um, you know, he's just been somebody that uh, this guy does not sleep, in my opinion, because anytime the word UCF is uttered in the atmosphere, he knows about it and he's responding to it somehow, some way. Uh, but he squeezed in a second or two to, to send us this voicemail. And uh, and and uh, what you learn in this voicemail, Mike, is is he's got jokes as well. Uh, here's our good buddy, Cost Seg Advisor. Hello, guys. This is Cost Seg Advisor, or James Lee. Wanted to congratulate you on on the upcoming episode 100. But I was looking for episode 63, and I can't find it anywhere. What? Oh, never mind. Um, now, congrats. Um, nice job. Love the pregame. It's working out very nicely. So, come nights, charge on. At the legend himself. What else can you say about Cossack, Mike? Just Cossack equals legend. <laughs> the guy is a fixture on UCF social media. 
he's great, man. He comes up with a, these memes and pictures uh, at the snap of a button. And do buttons snap, by the way? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, buttons, some buttons, buttons do snap. Okay. okay. <laughs> I caught myself on that too. <laughs> okay. But that's exactly what I was talking about. Because at the first couple episodes, he'd always be one of those guys to, to crack on us for every little mistake we made. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool because that just, you know, it just one showed us that people were listening. And two, just how this guy is not taking us seriously, not taking it himself too seriously. And that, that's part of what our show is, just having fun. We're here to have fun. Yeah, we're talking about UCF, and sometimes we talk about some serious stuff. But basically, we're just, you know, shooting the breeze with each other and just having a good time and passing time. So that's what this is. And if you're driving around in your car and, you, and you're listening to us, that's what you're doing, just hanging out, listening to the two guys talk about something that you really care about too, in UCF football. And he's not wrong, by the way. Episode sixty-three featured Brett Hodges, so that was a good one. I'm not gonna that he's that was actually a pretty good episode with uh, with Brett Hodges. Uh, but listen, Kostek is one of those one of those people that I, I love doing the show for because he's been around UCF for so long that you know we've had the ability to have on some of the some you know greats uh, of UCF history, and uh, you know I, I love the the ability to bring on a guy like Sean Jefferson. Uh, who you know who played you know before many of the people who listened to us probably even knew he existed right to bring on a Joe Burnett uh, to bring on a Sia Burley uh, you know D Brown some of these guys who played in the you know early 90s mid 90s uh, early 2000s um, and uh, and and it's just great to be able to to bring those guys back and some of the people who've been around UCF for so long have the memories of what those guys did for the program and and love hearing from those guys and that's been a really cool part about this is you know when you when you get uh, an opportunity to have on a you know an Antoine Poe who you know didn't play for long but was a great interview and people remember his time at UCF and a Dexter Lyons uh, it's it's been cool to to bring people back and and there's so many people who have been following UCF for so long that um, that really enjoy hearing from some of those guys. Yeah, Kostek has been around. Another one of these guys has been around even longer than us, which I feel like an old guy now. If you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, there's so many people that have just been around UCF now for the last five years, the last four years since we've been winning all these games, even if they've just been around for the last 10 years or, or 2007 when, when the stadium opened up, we're still way older than those people. <laughs> you know, we started 10 years before that, but cost has even been around longer than us. He knows the history. So he'll call us out on it. So mm -hmm. if we don't know something and we say something that's wrong, he was like, no, you guys don't know what you're talking about, which is cool. And that, that keeps us honest and makes us do a better show really. Yeah, I mean, it's really all we can say to everybody out there. Just thank you for, for giving us a chance and letting us get 100 of these things out in the ether. Uh, hopefully we'll do uh, even more. You know, we're going to try some fun things and expand. The pregame show has been hopefully a fun thing. People have enjoyed, Mike. We've gotten some really good feedback on that. I don't know if people are just being nice, um, but uh, we've gotten some really nice comments on that. And a lot of people are happy that there's something UCF-specific and, uh, you know, really like the presentation and the graphics and the guests and all the different topics. Uh, so we'll expand on that again to, to cost X point. We've got a lot of, uh, of old interviews that, uh, that are no longer uh, publicly available, but we still have all of them. So Mike and I are going to figure out some creative ways to bring some of those back to you. Um, you know, we may not bring back every old show, but we you know we've got a lot of great interviews stored up. So maybe we'll bring those back at, at times and working on a couple of fun things here in the future too. So, uh, so, you know, if there's one thing you can count on us for is we will always, push the envelope and try to find something new and different and creative. And if there's somebody out there who has ever been associated with UC UCF, you can, uh, you can guarantee that I've reached out to them at some point in time. I'm not saying I don't have restraining orders against me for some of these people, but uh, you can guarantee that if there's somebody out there, we've reached out to talk to them. So 
and uh, and we'll keep doing that. And that's that's what we can promise you guys. So uh, big thanks, we appreciate it, and uh, and hopefully you'll keep on uh, you'll keep on listening to us. The pregame show is starting to take off, man. We've only done two episodes, but you're right, people love it, and why not? I mean, like I said last week, we're doing a whole hour of UCF talk leading up to the game. That, that's what you need. You don't care about these other games. You don't care about what these guys are saying on college game day about you know, Northern Iowa and Southern Miss. or whoever. Who cares about those games? We're here to talk about the UCF game, and, and the guests we've had on have been great. And the guests that we have lined up for this week is going to be awesome as long as everything goes the way it's supposed to go. And we'll, we'll add a couple more guys. So it's been a lot of fun, and we're only getting better. Yeah, I mean, and plus you can watch all those games and still have us on on your phone. You can just mute the game and you know watch us on your phone or on your iPad on on Facebook on Twitter. This week we will be on YouTube. We've got that all figured out, so you can uh, you can keep the game on, no sound, and just kind of watch us talk UCF and you know keep on uh, keep on uh, an eye on something maybe you're interested in, but you know get some specific talk leading up to the game where you, you don't get that anywhere else. So hopefully that uh, that works out Mike so all right let's get uh, let's get to the, the the heart of the segment the the typical heart this has been a, a segment that's actually been around I think since the very beginning of the show I think all 100 episodes have featured some form or fashion of this segment it's called cow of the week uh, we pick somebody or something that's done something stupid dumb or idiotic and we uh, we'll, we'll make fun of them uh, let's just call it what it is Mike uh, so a lot of different options this week uh, you know uh, I, I vowed to not go back to Don Williams again he wasn't so bad this week in his polls posing great by the way uh, so uh, we'll see where we go with this one, Mike. But I'm gonna let you uh, let you lead us off. A few options to go with this week. I mean, there's always the AP voter that you can go after. There's one this week that I don't know where this guy even came from. I don't think he voted last week, but he's got us a 24. Yeah, I don't even want to mention this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to look this guy up. I don't think he had a. I don't think he submitted a vote last week because I looked uh, and I didn't see anything he did last week. But he's got us all the way down to 24. I'm not even gonna mention his name. That's how much of a cow he is. So um, there's a few other options, you know, all across the Sunshine State, there's options. You want to go with Florida State? I'll take Florida State because this is a, a program that was supposed to be one of the best teams in the state of Florida for a long time now. And these guys have sucked for a couple of years and they embarrassed themselves on Saturday in a rivalry game against Miami. What was the final score of that game? 52 to 10? I, I didn't watch it. I don't know. Oh my goodness! I mean, there were no other games on. I, I wanted, I was excited to at least watch some kind of football at night. You know, the UCF game was a twelve o'clock game. It was over by well, it didn't get over until like four. But then you had that little break, and there were other games on, and you you like to close it out with a nice competitive game at night. That thing was over before halftime. Florida State, they're just going downhill fast, and there's no sign of them getting any better which doesn't make me mad. I actually enjoy it. I told you guys how I have a brother-in-law that's a Florida State fan. And I've kind of been amused by him just basically giving up on them, which is pretty cool. And I have some other Florida State fans too, and it's cool to not have to hear from them. Because even in the years, go back to 2013, which was one of our best years. We won the uh, Fiesta Bowl. That was the year they won the national championship. So even that year, they wouldn't let us celebrate. They wouldn't let us have a good time with it. They always had to one-up us. But now the tables have turned. These guys are a garbage program that's going nowhere fast. They can't find a head coach that, that's worth anything. You know, the Willie Tiger era was a bust. Mike Norville area is not off to a good start. And they're right there with the cows right now. 
basically, I don't think they could beat FAU at this point. So uh, Florida State's a cow of the week for me. Just a disaster program up in Tallahassee and with no signs of anything getting better anytime soon. Dumpster fire. Uh, how often do you turn your table? I always hear that uh, the tables have turned. I feel like I never actually turned my table. I just go sit on other sides. <laughs> I always wonder where that came from. But this is interesting about the Norvell thing is, um, you know, and I don't know that, you know, every situation is different, right? But, you know, you think about some of the some of the high-profile coaches that have left the American Conference to take some of these big Power 5 jobs, and it hasn't really worked out really well, if you think about it, right? Willie Taggart went to Oregon. That was that was okay. Then he went to Florida State and, and, and ran that thing in the ground. Our guy Frosty went to Nebraska, and, and that thing hasn't really got off the ground. Jeff Collins went from Temple to Georgia Tech. I mean, they're improving, but, I mean, they haven't necessarily, you know, gotten themselves any place. Um, it makes you wonder if, you know, you think about some of the some of the coaches. Um, is Does that make people pause on, you know, going after a Hypel or a Luke Fickle or somebody? I don't know. I guess every situation is different. But uh, it is interesting that you've seen a, a couple of these high-profile sort of darling American conference you know, coaches and you know, maybe the grass isn't always greener, right? Maybe Memphis and, and UCF and Temple, you know, could end up being better destinations for those guys long-term. But, uh, you know, I guess money talks, right? Well, if it stops them from taking Hypo, that'd be a good thing, I guess. You know, <laughs> I mean, people look at Frost and see that he's not doing that great and you look at Norval and say, maybe they'll start looking at other places for replacements. Maybe they'll just go to, you know, offensive coordinators that are, at P5 schools or whatever and just leave us alone. That'd be great. Well, either that or hopefully, you know, again, money's tough to turn down, right? Who, who am I to tell people to turn down, you know, a, a boatload of money? But it makes you wonder if a, if a, if a coach like a Hypel or, you know, uh, uh, yeah, who Luke Fickle, uh, any of those guys are, are, would think twice about saying, like Luke Fickle essentially turned down, I think Michigan State, if I have that right, um, this last offseason. Do they look at that and say, hey, you know, I've seen a bunch of people try this and maybe it's not really worth it, so... Uh, either way, it's just an interesting little uh, little twist on things. Uh, for me, I'm going to stay in the state of Florida for college football in my cow of the week. I'm going to go to Florida Athletic Director Scott Strickland. Uh, let me uh, let me reorient people if you're not familiar. Uh, he came out a few years back and said essentially he offered UCF a two for uh, a two for one deal, and UCF wouldn't take it. You know, Danny White came back and basically said it wasn't a two for one. It wasn't a true two for one because they wanted a neutral game. Uh, you know, then Dan Mullen hopped in there and, and started perpetuating that they offered us a, a two for one. There was some freedom of information requests that were put out there. And it turns out there was never an, a, an official contract that was ever put out there. And so this thing kind of died on the table, you know, uh, more than a year ago, Mike, right? Until for reasons known only to Scott Strickland on Sunday, he found himself in a tweet storm on a tweet that he wasn't even tagged in. So it isn't like someone tagged him and he saw it that way. He must have literally been scrolling through Twitter and somehow came upon uh, this 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 uh, Twitter uh, thread. And uh, Fear the Pegasus was the uh, the UCF fan he was interacting with. And essentially, you know, he he came out with a bunch of comments saying that yeah, you know, they did uh, the, the two for one they offered Danny was uh, he assumed it was going to be in at the bounce house in Orlando, and and why wouldn't it be in the bounce house in Orlando? And you know, they were interested in playing us, but it just didn't fit UCF scheduling model and. Uh, and all of a sudden, all this stuff came back out of nowhere, Mike, for, for reasons I don't, I don't really know. I have, I have a conspiracy theory. But all of a sudden, Scott Strickland's back out there, and he wants to relitigate the, uh, the alleged two-for-one offer. And now he's got new facts. At this point, Danny has not responded. I'm not even sure if Danny should respond. But I, I, don't, you know, I guess I have my theory on what the hell Scott Strickland's doing, Mike. Dude, what do you make of, of, of Scott Strickland and, and all of this nonsense this past weekend? 
I told you in the UCF observations, arrogant Gator fans are back, baby. They're led by this clown. Why, why even come on and say anything? You're right. Why? What's the point? He's supposed to be the athletic director of a school, a big-time school, University of Florida. What's he doing Twitter arguing with UCF fans? For what? And to say that the game, he, he agreed to play a game at the Bright House, where's Maury Popish when you need him? Man? The lie <laughs> detector determined that is a lie. And if Danny White has it in an email and it says specifically we'll play at the Citrus Bowl, then I'm not saying Danny should put it out there himself, but it may get leaked or it should get leaked by somebody in his department where to prove this guy, prove that this guy is the clown that he is and, he, and he's lying because there's no way that Florida ever agreed to that. And we all know that. The only reason they're playing in Tampa is because they're playing in the stadium that the cows rent where they can, they're going to be able to get half the, the seats and they don't want to come to Orlando and get their only 3000 seats that we would give them. And that's just the facts. Man. So I don't know what else to say about this guy, but he's an idiot or he, he's a liar. Or, and why come out and say it now at this time? Well, what is he trying to gain from this? I don't, I don't get it. Well, he's uh, again, the thing he's saying is um, I, I, I found a couple of his tweets here. I want to make sure I can read them. Uh, so basically he was asked uh, about something. He said, actually, UF did offer a true two for one. I never said anything about the one having to be neutral. Not sure where that came from. Sometimes school scheduling priorities just don't match up. We both moved on. No hard feelings. Good luck to UCF. Obviously, you get a bunch of responses back. Uh, and somebody said, then why did uh, other outlets report otherwise? And he said, I often wonder why media outlets report things that aren't factual. There's an old saying, believe half of what you read and none of what you hear. Uh, so then uh, somebody else, Mike uh, MD Knight 2016, basically said, um, so there was never a formal offer, right? And he eventually said, um, you're inferring intent that wasn't intended. I also said that others would be in Gainesville without specifying a stadium. But we would have played those in the swamp just as I'm sure UCF would have played on their campus. Just wanted to clear up that misconception. Um, but it, it, it never, at, one, at no point does he ever institute or, or state that there was an actual contract signed, right? He's talking about insinuations, what he assumed, right? If there's a contract, there's no assumptions needed. You read it off the contract. He's saying that, you know, he assumed that we were going to be playing that game in the bounce house. That means that thing never got pen to paper. This was all, all, all conversations. It's going to be a he said, he said, because I don't think anything ever got written down. So it, it makes you wonder why is this out here? So one you know, the thing that was, you know, kind of going around and it's been going around for a while, all of a sudden is, is UCF part of the big three? Are they, you know, are they the best school in Florida? And my assumption, Mike, is that Scott Strickland had some rabbit ears, didn't like that conversation and just wanted to get in the mix and, and, uh, and, and throw some shade on UCF's way. I don't think he has any intention of scheduling anything. I don't think he has, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing I think he really wants to do with it other than just, he wants to, to stir the pot a little bit and, uh, and just make sure he sort of says, Hey, look at, look at us. You know, we're big brother over UCF. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see if and how Danny ever responds to this. Right. He may not. And the problem is this guy is part of the, the playoff committee, right? Or at least he was, he was a yeah. year ago. Yeah. And this is what we're dealing with. So, uh, to me, this season can end in a couple of ways. The, the one that we're all hoping for is we make the playoff, and I don't care who we play, if it's Alabama or Clemson or Notre Dame or whoever. If we're in the playoff, we're in the playoff. That's going to make me happy. That's, that's the main goal. If we get left out and we're undefeated and or we are the G5 team that's going to the New Year's Six Bowl game, there is only a couple things that will make me okay with being left out of the playoff. One is playing the Gators, and the other one would be playing Miami. 
if Miami is, is still having the year that they're starting out with with a one loss or or whatever it is. I want these guys. I want the Hurricanes. I want either one of them in that uh, Peach Bowl or Sugar Bowl, whichever bowl it would be. I think it'd be the Peach this year. And I don't want them to duck us because that's it is pretty clear that they ducked us the last time because this guy was on the committee. It should have been UF instead of uh, LSU. We should have played in the Peach Bowl again that year. Nobody wanted to see Florida and Michigan for the the 10th time in a bowl game. It, it was just him getting his way again. Like the, the Gators have always gotten their way when it comes to scheduling and all this stuff. They haven't, they, they never play games outside of the state of Florida. They're just starting to do that now or they hadn't done it in over 40 years. They didn't want to play Florida state for a long time. And that got mandated that they had to play them. They ducked the hurricanes for many years And then once every 20 years, they agreed to like a two game series. Now they see us coming and they don't want to play us now. Yeah. They played us two times in their history. And the last time was 14 years ago. They want nothing to do with us right now. Whether they want to admit it, they're not going to admit it, but they know that we can easily beat them. And we can beat them. They may be able to beat us too, but it's not a game that they that they think they can win every single time anymore. It's not that anymore. It's a close game. The two programs are a lot closer than they want to admit now. And hopefully we get a piece of them one day. Hopefully it's this year if we don't make the playoff or in the playoff would be even sweeter. Yeah, I think he's, you know, again, he just wants to, you know, try to exert what he thinks is dominance, right? He wants to put Danny in position because, you know, if you're reading between the lines here, what he's saying is we offer a true two for one. And Danny's always been consistent about basically saying that, you know, as, as a as a P6 program, we, we don't take two for ones. We want we want home and home deals. So obviously you understand where the semantics of the conversation broke down. So He's trying to, I think, back Danny in the corner. We'll see if Danny responds. It's also awkward in that Danny Bright's brother works for Scott Strickland. He's the head basketball coach at Florida. So that's got to be an awkward uh, uh, you know, morning meeting between the head basketball coach and the athletic director. But uh, I guess uh, you know they get paid enough money to not make it uh, a problem. But, yeah, it's just interesting. It was, it was kind of annoying to see. And we'll see if it gets anywhere. We'll see if, uh, uh, if Danny ever takes the, the time to respond. A couple other people really quickly, Mike, that have uh, cow of the week options for me. Um, Paul Pierce, uh, who said the Boston Celtics would not only beat the Heat, but also go on to win the NBA Finals. That did not turn out so well. Uh, um, Mike Golick was getting some comments, uh, you know, for some some negative feedback there and uh, some of the message boards on his use of Central Florida too much. Uh, so I don't know if we have Mike Golick is, uh, um, is Cow of the Week worthy, but he was also getting some shout outs. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make him Cow of the Week the week after he came on our show. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> but uh, it's something to keep an eye on. We, we discussed last week how he may be one of these P5 homer guys, and maybe he's straightening them out, but who knows. But I felt like he was a pretty, like, when he was on with us, even through other broadcasts, I felt like, to me, there's a difference between guys who just come after UCF for no reason, i.e. like a Booger McFarland, right? Who wants to just, oh, they're not in the big four, blah, 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 national champs and roll their eyes. To me, Golik was just like, hey, look, I, you guys aren't getting in. Now, I'm not saying I don't think you should get in. I'm not saying you're not good enough, but the system is just rigged against you. Like, I, while I understand that's not what we want to hear, I also respect that he's basically kind of telling us the truth, right? And versus some people are like, yes, if UCF had a tougher schedule, you know, if you switch conferences, where Golik was just like, yeah, you're not getting in. It's not because you're not good. It's not because you don't deserve it, but because this is just the way the system is, and they're not going to change it, and it sucks for you guys, right? And and well, that's tough talk to hear. I don't. He's not wrong, right? We all we've we've lived it. We know it's true. Um, so I mean, I give him a pass for that. I know not everyone wants to hear that stuff, and anytime it's not a glowing review, you know, it certainly can be taken one way. But I, I didn't think he said anything that was necessarily um, 
inaccurate there. I don't think he took shots at UCF. Now, is he also the cheerleader that we want? Is he the biggest supporter? Is he, you know, flipping the table over saying UCF should be in? No, but I think he's also being, you know, somewhat honest with at least what, what he knows and what we've seen so far. Well, a couple of years ago when they would say, there is a path for UCF to get in. Like, how many times did we hear there's a path? And we all got mad because we know you're lying straight to our face. At least he's coming around and saying the truth. Yeah, you're not getting it, <laughs> which is probably true. And I think most of us have accepted that truth over the last few years. This year we were hoping it was going to be different with the with the uh, Big Ten and the Pac-12 not playing, but now they are coming back and playing. So hopefully eh, we still need things to align. It, it's possible. It is a very small possibility, but it's possible. One of the dominoes fell this week with Oklahoma losing. We need big teams like that to lose. If Alabama can lose a couple times or – I mean, the SEC is still going to get somebody in, but maybe they won't get two teams in like they have in the past. If we can eliminate the ACC, you know, maybe Miami, Clemson, Notre Dame all beat each other. and uh, I don't know. A, a, a two-win team maybe wins the conference championship game and an upset. Something like that happens. It's possible for us to get in there somehow. Here, here's, we can get rid of the Big Twelve. Well, here's what we have to brace for: um, is it's going to be like a, you know, like a six and O Oregon who, who had a game canceled because of COVID problems. You know, six and O Oregon um, versus you know a, a nine and O UCF, and Oregon's going to get in over us, right? Or uh, you know a a seven and O you know Ohio State is going to get in over. Even if we lose one game, we're, we're screwed, right? But uh, a, a you know a nine and O UCF team. Uh, is not going to get in because of a you know a seven and zero you know Ohio State team like those are the things I think that we all have to brace ourselves for because um, I certainly have no faith that the committee is going to be like oh just because they only played six games doesn't mean they're good I, I firmly believe that there's going to be a time where that conversation happens where there's going to be an inequitable number of games and just because you have more games played and more wins I don't think that the committee is going to say well that makes you a better team I think they're still going to be like well you know if Oregon had gotten all their games and they would have been a top team and well it's not Ohio State's fault they lost this game against so and so um so I, I'm just bracing myself for that already well they're going to find every possible reason to not put us in I mean for us to get in we need a lot of chaos we need like I was saying two three losses from all these conference champions and if there's even any doubt, we're going to lose that benefit of the doubt. It's going to go to these other conferences. So, like I was saying, if we don't get in the playoff, you know what I want. I want the Gators or I want Miami or I guess you can throw in Alabama. If Alabama doesn't win the SEC and they get left out of the playoff, I'll take them in the Peach Bowl as well. Mike's calling them all. Mike Mike wants all the smoke. Give Mike all the smoke. We want all the teams, all all of them in the, in the bowl games. And we'll see what happens again. It's going to be, it's going to be a long year. Uh, you know, I think – yeah, you know, it's a week by week deal, though, right? We're still, you know, we still haven't been impacted by any uh, scheduling concerns yet. Obviously, there's still a lot of season to go, uh, and hopefully, we continue to get these games in and we, you know, keep keep putting up the performances that we've done so far. Right, a two and zero UCF team that looks pretty solid as we start off the 2020 season. Um, yeah, episode 100, Mike. I guess I guess we're done. I mean, I don't I don't have much else on the little sheet here. You got anything else you want to add? No, I'm pretty much out of gas myself. Right. <laughs> we made it this far. Yeah reload and get ready for the pregame show this week and the next hundred episodes, I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what, I mean, maybe partly sunnies will pop up every now and again. We don't know when those will come up. Sometimes we just get opportunities to, to talk about something or we get something come our way. And so 
you know, keep an eye out for those. You never know when we'll, we'll, we'll surprise you with a little little bonus episode for the week. And, and again, make sure you tune into the pregame show as well, featuring Trace Trelko. Find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, find us on YouTube. Just search on to UCF. We are all over the place. And, uh, and we'll be all over this game this upcoming week, Mike. We'll come back next week for episode number 101, and we will break all that down for you. So everybody have a safe week. If you're going to the game, enjoy. Have some fun. Uh, scream and yell for us. For those of us who can't be there, uh, make some noise. And hopefully the Tulsa streak comes to an end, Mike. We definitely need this thing to, uh, to end and to end quickly and to end with authority. Until then, go Knights. Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network.